Hey everyone, Hydraberg here, Cut Above Horror Review. Last week we went hard R. This week we're taking it unrated with 2022's Megan. Need a best friend forever? We've got you covered at Cut Above Horror Review, which starts now. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be discussing Megan from 2023. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, we got Hydraberg. What's going on, Hydraberg? Mm, what's going on? I'm Hydraberg, mm, synthetic <laughs> model. No, I'm just kidding. What's going on? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I am a robot. <laughs> <laughs> and we got John. How's it going, John? So we're not reviewing the three again? <laughs> Dang, I think I watched the wrong movie. Mithrigan. Oh, no. Mithrigan. Mithrigan. Yes. That, that's, gonna, that's gonna be our new joke. Uh Jacqueline, what's happening in Hydraberg? How are you? It's so good to be back with you guys. Just us three again. I know. Yeah. It was like coming home again. Mithrigan two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Directed by Rob Zombie. <clears throat> oh my god. Dang. You just crammed those right in there, right off there the gate. Uh, oh, we have a melange of just oh my sayings god. that we do. Oh my god! Now we're. I done. had to get him out of the way because I figured this is going to be a long discussion. Yeah, because this is a very polarizing movie, in my opinion. Is it okay? All right. Well, I, I I literally have no idea what you guys think about this, so I'm curious to see if we're polarized. Same. Same. It's a mystery. It's well, a mystery. I'm, There's some I'm Okay. Well, uh, to to draw the suspense a little bit longer. Let's find out if we have any horror news, John. We do. And and I've only done two news stories. I gave you guys a homework assignment. But I want to give some love to the Emmy Awards. Because obviously the Academy Awards or the Oscars don't give any love to horror or like horror adjacent type things. But the uh, Emmy Award nominations came out. Outstanding drama series, The Last of Us. Heidelberg, you've seen that. Yeah. Oh, another one that you probably, and you actually reviewed it with Cinema Slab, I believe, uh, Yellow Jackets. Yeah, Yellow Jackets, both very good mm-hmm. shows if you're looking for a horror fix on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, lead, yeah, lead actor, Pedro Pascal in The Last of Us. Now, again, I haven't seen this movie or this show. What about you, Jacqueline? Have you seen it yet? No, I watched the first episode, um, and I just, I don't know, it just feels like too much to take. I don't have time to watch series, really, and Joey didn't like it. He actually went he actually has been watching it while I've been recording the podcast because like he watches things without me and um, <laughs> he's like he watched all of Walking Dead and he was like if Walking Dead had never existed then that this show would seem good but it just seems terrible by comparison I was like oh this, okay the story of The Last of Us came out in like around 2012 too mm-hmm. so it's not even like it just came out now for the show right the video yeah. came out that long ago so it was around the Walking Dead time. It was before a lot of the extra seasons of Walking Dead that we've gotten since. So, yeah. well, wasn't that the yeah, time where there was a lot of spinoff of zombie stuff? I mean, even movies. A lot yeah, of just in general. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot. Sci-fi had like Z Nation out at that time, and yeah, and then Walking Dead started splintering into other um, shows. Can I recommend uh, <clears throat> uh, a gem that I saw? I think it was on Tubi. And Pedro Pascal was like the, the main antagonist in the movie. I won't give anything away, but it's called Blood Sucking Bastards. That's a great title. It 
it was a fun movie. You know the blonde haired kid in um um Cabin Fever, the original one Eli Roth did. Mm-hmm. He plays yeah. like a stoner character in it, and he's great in the movie. Oh, Bloodsucking okay. Bastards! I didn't know he did that. Yeah, Pedro Pascal's in it. You can't really recognize him because he doesn't have the mustache in it. But um, man, it that was a fun watch. A little slow yeah. at the beginning, but it's it almost feels like a vampire version of Office Space. Oh, that sounds awesome. Is this yeah. a recent? No, I think no, it might be like four or five years old. I don't okay. remember the year. But, sounds um, good. Sorry, getting back into it. Lead actress, uh, Melanie Leninsky oh, from it. Yellow Jackets, uh Yellow Jackets, Bella Ramsey from The Last of Us. Outstanding TV movie. Get this. Prey. So the um oh, yeah. the, uh Predator <laughs> yeah. and Hocus Focus 2 got some love. Oh, really? Good. Yeah. Uh, I saw that the bear did really well too on nominations. Not hard, well, but yeah. But you've been recommending the shit out of that show, so yeah. yeah a lot of people have been, uh, you know, singing its praise. Um, John, I want to go back to you said Mel- what's that girl's name? Melanie Linsky. Linsky, yeah. I think I said it wrong, but yeah, Melanie I Linsky. Her. I love her. She's she works hard. She's in a lot of stuff. You know, I remember her from back when she was on Two and a Half Men as like the neighbor who was obsessed with Charlie Sheen. Do you guys remember oh. that? Yeah, yeah. She's in like, both uh, the Yellow Jackets and um, Last of Us, too. Yeah, She's and in both? She in, mm-hmm. And she was in um, the Castle Rock TV series on Hulu. Yeah, she was, first season. And then she was also in this um, limited series I watched last year called Candy, which was kind of like a true crime thing. It was like a dramatization of a true crime thing. It wasn't exactly horror, but I would say it was horror adjacent. Um, I don't know if you guys heard of that or saw it. I have started- heard of it. It starred Jessica Biel, and I think she developed it and produced it as well. And it's like this true story of this like perfect housewife um, who murders her neighbor. And that's spoiling anything. Like, you know this from the get-go. But um, so Melanie Linsky and Jessica Biel were the leads in that. And it was great. I would highly recommend it. What's the name of that? That's called Candy. Candy. Hulu Hulu made uh, their own version, I think, with Elizabeth Olsen, I think. Of Candy? Uh, based on the same story, I think. I think that I think it's cool. their own version of. Oh, okay, I'm not, cool. I'm not positive, but there looked like there was some similarities between the housewife okay. gone rogue, has an affair, and kills her neighbor. I think so. Okay, I'll check that out. That's cool. I like Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Anyway, just wanted to give Melanie Linsky a little uh, credit. Um, so Definitely. those are interesting nominations, but I feel like I haven't seen the not the list of nominations, John. But I feel like Succession is just going to win everything. That and the uh, the Dahmer story one too. That that what was it? Oh, Netflix. I, yeah, yeah. That that was nominated. Well, for been a like lot. two people who haven't watched The Bear season two. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. No, no, no. I, really, I just uh, I got to sell Joey on it. So oh, it's Joey would just Joey likes dramas. It's a drama. I I, re- yeah. I I refuse to watch it because you challenged me at the beginning of the year to watch more new horror movies. So that's what I've done. That's, so I'm not going. Next year it'll be shows. Okay. I didn't challenge you. I just said you should watch more new movies. It wasn't uh, like, John, you have to promise me. Promise. <laughs> like threw it on the gauntlet. Like, You'll watch a new it movie. Fe- it felt like gauntlet was thrown. Right. I took offense to it. So okay. I did it. And now you're I'm doing hit, pretty good this hitting. year. Yeah, you are. Um, nice movie. We don't talk about this subgenre a lot. Kaiju horror movies. Mm-hmm. We got a brand new one coming out uh, from our friends over in Japan. Japan. Uh, you, you guys, you guys <laughs> saw uh, um, Godzilla. Uh, what is it? The minus one. Yeah, I did. Or Godzilla prequel, minus one. 
Is that like Godzilla? But it my- was a teaser, so I don't know. Are you are you guys kaiju fans? I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm a kaiju fan, only because it's not a subgenre I've explored very much. Um, yeah. I say say this with no negative feel. I'm not like I'm not a kaiju fan. I just think I'm not knowledgeable and experienced enough to to call myself that. But I do really enjoy like Godzilla movies for the most part. I love the original one. I think Miles picked it for a straight showing. He did. You pick a couple of years ago, and I absolutely loved it, and I immediately bought the Criterion version or edition. I mean, um, yeah, it's a good film. And I, I'm with Bob on Straight Chilling. I actually really enjoy the '98 Godzilla. I did <laughs> not love Godzilla versus Kong, but um, what can you do? Did you but see I, the other two Godzilla movies, 2014, I, and I didn't. They're on my no. two watch list, and I just haven't. The one I with know. all the monsters, destroy all monsters, or whatever it's called. I don't remember exactly. I, I know that what I mean. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, but- yeah, I, I did see Godzilla versus Kong in the theater and I just had a really, really good time. I mean, if you were going to define a popcorn movie, yeah, that was it. It was just fun. The surround sound was great. And it was just, it, it was an experience, but it's, it, for me, it was forgettable. And I'm with you, Jacqueline. I'm not, I'm not a big kaiju fan, but I understand why people are because they're, I mean, they're great. They, they really are. And there's a lot of art to them. So I'm with you guys. I, I'm, I'm not a hater of kaiju. I just uh, haven't experienced it all. But the ones that I have, there's a good good amount of them that are just fun films. Um, it's cool to see the history too, you know, mm-hmm. the older ones and see what, like how this the genres like changed. Um, the the new trailer looked. There was only a a snippet. It looked pretty cool. I remember seeing Shin Godzilla, which I think was from like the mid two thousands. That might have been another Miles pick. I'm not positive or a Jose pick. Um, but yeah, that was that was an interesting film too. I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed the last two Godzilla movies, not first Kong, but the other two Godzilla films. Were oh, Takers, is that what that one's called? Yeah, and kaiju films in general can be really cool. I mean, I like I like Cloverfield too. That was like taking kaiju and then doing like oh. footage style. Okay, I love Cloverfield. I yeah, just have to- which is considered a kaiju film. You know, honestly, that's one that flew under my radar. I don't, really? I've never you seen it. Yeah. You've never oh, seen I'm- that? Oh, man. Oh, I'm picking it. It was or- a great theatrical experience too. Yes, somebody needs to pick that in the near future. All right. Well, I, I have it on 4K, I think. Ooh. Okay, hold on. I'm putting it on our list right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but that that teaser really did look good to me. Um, it was a very short, you know, it was a teaser, so it's very short. Um, but in a short amount of time, they sorry, I'm trying to type Cloverfield and talk at the same <laughs> time. <laughs> I'm not good at asking you guys. Uh in a short amount of time, they introduced the setup pretty well, like the the kind of context of the film. It, it tells us, you know, after World War II, Japan had lost everything. But then Tokyo went from being zero, you know, which we can understand as being like, you know, leveled or just like mm-hmm. destroyed to, to minus. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. how they were? Mm-hmm. And that's when they show like, you know, a foot stomping through the town and like it's already rubble. But then it's like getting pulverized. And so that is a really interesting setup because it's like it's a place that's already experienced terrible, you know, tragedy and loss of life and loss of wealth and and everything. And then for it to just get so much worse. So to me, that's a really interesting idea and an interesting setup. It is. uh, And that's kind of what makes the first the original film, I think, hit so well, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The the original is from the 50s, right? Yeah. Yeah, I want to say 55, 56, something like that. Okay, so for me, it felt like like even in the teaser, because it was not even a minute long, 
Uh, it just felt like it paid a really nice homage to those fifties with maybe a modern twist or a modern. That's what it looks to like. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they show you the Godzilla's face just for a moment. And it's like, that's just enough. It to looks cool. Get... Yeah. It looks good. I thought it was eerie. The woman's voice at the beginning, she goes, Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla. It's coming out in uh, December of this yeah, year. It's going to be theatrical too, in, I believe. In, yeah, oh, well, Japan, although... it's coming out in November. Uh, America, it's coming out in December. So. And I would imagine com- it's probably limited release, but still, it's dope that you can go out there and see it. Yeah. I don't know. Not a lot going on in December. We might as well, like, maybe put it on the docket or somewhere. It's a great Christmas film. Yes. Yeah. Family, those warm holiday warm feelings. Mm-hmm. Just like Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, Garbage Day. <laughs> AKA Garbage Day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it is produced by Toho, who did the, you know, that's the, the studio, I guess, that did the original, right? Yeah. Yep. And a bunch, you know, obviously a bunch of the others, but uh, yeah, so that's legit. Cool. Yeah, that was a good. I, I think Japan yeah. makes better horror movies than we do most of the time. If you think about it. You know, I haven't really stayed up say on current Japanese movies. Um, I don't know. I'm more familiar with like the early 2000s kind of. You know, when that's J-horror. what I'm talking about. I, I mean, mean, those, those are th- there's some uh, fantastic films throughout that time frame. I wouldn't say that that is better okay. than everything okay. in the United States. Let me walk back my statement. I'm just saying in that time period, it was fantastic. During that time period, they were killing it. Or agree with that. I think all good. I mean, there's been so much good stuff coming out of Korea, too. France. Absolutely. I love foreign horror. I think that it's so wild. Yeah. We need to do that. Yeah. You know what I saw on Max? A movie I've never seen, but I've heard. I've even heard Straight Chilling talk about it. Is Hasu or House? Yeah, I gotta watch that. I want to watch it. It's on Max. And I'm like, I gotta watch that. That shit is crazy. I have the Criterion. Um, I keep. Oh, nice. I have the Criterion. <laughs> Sound all bougie over there, Jacqueline. I know. You have the this Criterion I... collection. This is what I spend my oh, Criterion. Why I shook my tongue very long. Did you pass me the Grey Poupon and my Criterion? <laughs> 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 anyway, well, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I would write. Y'all throw that on um, if it's on Max. Throw that on. It's 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 something. How it's long is it? Wild. I haven't looked. I don't remember. I don't think. It, I don't know. It's like a normal length. Hour it's, thirty. It's been a few years since I've seen it. Yeah, but, John, uh, drop you a tab of acid and watch some house here. That is. Yeah. I've heard. I don't. Think <laughs> you need to drop the acid. The movie yeah, will do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's a sober acid trip movie. Pretty I much. Mean, yeah. Yeah. So right. not that I would know about acid, but hey. Hydroberg. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all, all right. I got. So for news, let's get into Mithrigan. <laughs> That's not going to get old for a while. I'm going to enjoy that little joke. All right. Uh, John, was this your... Yeah. All right. Why did you choose Megan for us this week? Well, I chose Mithrigan because um, <laughs> I almost think that this is, I don't want to say it's, it's, and um, we talked a little bit before we started the podcast of being polarizing, but it, it was like this really big hit. And I think what they did with the movie, uh, without getting into the review, is they appealed to a mass. with something mm-hmm. something that's been done before, but in a more technological time. You know, this is a movie that, that can stand the test of time maybe for the next five years. Because technology is going to go above and beyond what we're at right now. Right. But I, I picked it because it's a newer movie. Um the buzz around this movie was incredible, and I just I, I I thought we should throw it on the docket. Cool, I'm glad you did because you know I've lamented many times before on the show about my 
very limited time for watching movies. And so it's like pretty much whatever I'm watching for the podcast is all the time I get to watch, you know, horror movies. So if if somebody doesn't pick it, I generally don't get to watch it. So I'm really glad that you picked it because there was a lot of buzz around and I wanted to know what everybody was talking about. So, Same. yeah. What is this Mithrigan film everybody's been watching? <laughs> sounds like a Street Fighter move. Mithrigan! Mithrigan! <laughs> You know what I had to do though is like when I got on my Roku TV, I had to. I said Megan, they were like, "No, nope. Megan is missing." Then and I said, yeah, the three, the three and it, it popped up, uncut or regular." Stop that word. Type in the three; it makes you. That's, IMDb did the same thing to me. That's amazing, <laughs> Hydraberg. I'm gonna make that my ringtone for you, Mithrigan. Mithrigan. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's decide whether it fucks or sucks, Johnny. Oh boy, I, I'm actually gonna say, and, and I'm gonna because I watched the movie twice and I actually liked it better the second time I watched it. Um, I'm going to go with the crowd and say that this movie, and it's weird because there's kids in this movie. So it's just like, it makes me feel kind of uncomfortable saying it, but uh, just very simply this movie. All right. How about you? Well, like a plastic doll from a a secret store that gives you black plastic bags. This (laughs) movie sucks. Heidelberg. I'm just picking up that reference now that you were saying. <laughs> like I've been to that place she's describing. <laughs> well, we have both yes, been. Yes, you have. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, this film, like a sex toy gone wrong. You thought you had it charged, but maybe you've spilled some coffee on it or something. I don't know. But it's on the fritz, and although there is some pleasure to be had from it, it's also dangerous and not performing properly. It's pleasurable and painful. It's a flaccid fuck. <clears throat> Keep liquids um, away from your electric toys, ladies. Yeah, they're supposed mm-hmm. to be waterproof, but I don't know. If, uh, spilling your coffee on there is probably not a good thing to do. Yeah. Plus, you don't, want, you don't want that in any sensitive areas. Like no. Uh, definitely decaf if you do. <laughs> <laughs> getting carried away. Otherwise, it might get too energetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, too hyper. <laughs> and all this energy. Oh. My groin. <laughs> Oh, that hit me me funny. Oh, my God. (laughs) Right back. I forget my black bag. Just a second. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, All right. Well, I'm really dying to get into this one. Um, John, you want to drop the spoiler warning so we can spoil it? Wait, can I give myself a moment to compose? (laughs) Get yourself together. Pull it together. Let me me drink some decaf. (laughs) I took all the caffeinated. All right, we're going to be talking about Megan from 2023 in its entirety. We are covering the uncut version. So if you have not watched this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it, and come back to find out what we thought about it. All right. Hydraberg, do you have a reach-around plot summary for Mithrigan? I have a Mithrigan reach-around. Okay. <laughs> Let me get in position. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Yep. Sean, turn off your device. Turn off your toys. Yeah, they're vibrating. Uh, What? (laughs) All right. One fateful trip to hit the slopes. A plow came through and dashed all hopes. Young Katie all alone, no way to cope. A companion needed, not a perpetual pet. Something more lifelike and more high tech. Who wouldn't abandon or suffer from death. A generative android of the Model 3. Was not designed for a killing spree. Four foot tall, right above the knee. The cause of all this catastrophe. A best friend forever as long as there's juice. Committing to murder whenever she's loose. A beatdown deserved administered by Bruce. AI on the fritz has caused so much pain. 
while all David can see is financial gain. Years of work have officially gone down the drain and caused this toy company a financial strain. The important thing is Gemma and Katie took the chance. Their relationship became enhanced, as Megan does her little dance, a villain made by circumstance. A lesson in whether oil is thicker than blood. Can an android truly love when torn apart by power gloves? A screwdriver to the cranium destroyed the invention of the millennium. Always choose flesh and bone over silicone and titanium. Yes. I mean, don't choose flesh and blood over titanium and silicone. Sometimes mm. it's better. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, really she's an anti-breast jobs, breast oh, augmentation. Talking about like the things you store in the black bag. Are made out of silicone. Mm. Ah, gotcha. Can I say something? Is the one thing I really, really enjoyed about this movie is I think for this generation of future horror fans, this is a great entry because we did watch the unrated version, so there were more f bombs mm -hmm. and they showed they showed more gore. But I think this movie just kind of like is that kind of perfect transition of 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 horror and comedy because I didn't. The comedy didn't hit me the first time I watched it. Maybe I was tired. I don't know. But when I watched it earlier or, or uh, yesterday, I was just like, yeah, that kind of hits. You know, I, I found myself chuckling. more. There are some different laughs. Like you said, chuckles. Uh, you're not like laughing at the screen, like about to throw something. But there's some funny moments. Um, and like you said, it is a really good entry level um, film. That's one of the things I like the most about it. Is It may not be something that I get a ton of satisfaction out of as a you know veteran horror fan but i think it's well made enough that you know you want to bring your cousin to see this or your little brother or something like that whatever like i think it's a good uh movie to get people into the genre mm -hmm. well and john you said something earlier that i thought really hit the nail on the head um before we even did the spoiler warning you were like this is this feels very of the time and fresh because of the specificity of the advanced technology that they're using in like there's a lot in this movie that I think feels familiar to horror fans. Like there are themes of like being uneasy with technology and, you know, we're overly dependent or wrong or whatever. Like those aren't new themes. I mean, we've been seeing those since like the fifties. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and like Isaac Asimov was writing the robot series that like, you know, I robot and the, the robot rules and all that. And like, I think the fifties maybe. So these are like not new ideas, but I think what makes it feel really fresh is the fact that it's specifically about this very advanced AI, which is like, we're, we're like pretty much on the verge of right now. I mean, in a, in a way are already experiencing, like we all probably interact with AI on a daily basis, just with like customer service chats and stuff like that. So it feels very of the moment. And yet at the same time, like, the themes are are still age old. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. And I, I'm going to go a step further. I think there there have been quite a few movies in the like here in the past six seven years. You know, just like throughout until 2023, is they try to push in your face the fear of technology that technology is going to overrun you. Ex Machina, which is a great movie, but I think this movie does it right. Where it's just kind of like, no, we're going to kind of take over you right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This reminded me a little bit of like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, it, it, it did. It's got shades of Black Mirror. It's got shades of 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's got huge shades of um, Child's Play. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's like overt almost. Like, I feel like that was almost kind of done on purpose. Like, 
Yeah. I think they were just paying tribute Probably. to Child's No, I think they do it. I think I think they do I, it well. I think so too. I mean, it's still I see it as its own thing. It like it has its own. Uh, I kind of enjoyed I, this more than I did that um, remake of Child's Play. I I liked I liked that one too. I I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, for younger viewers who maybe are coming to the horror genre for the far first time, maybe these are young teenagers who are kind of just getting into it. They may they may not have seen you know dozens of movies like we have yeah. with the with the you know technology gone wrong kind of stuff. So I agree. I think it's a good entry point. Yeah, because it, it gives like even even kids that are like 12, 13 years old, it's like they still remember when they were seven, eight years old. And they're like, yeah, and like a toy, like the virtual pet, like the perpetual pet, like that's oh, yeah. something that literally you can buy almost like in real life. So. My favorite part of the movie was that the way the when movie the starts off with the commercial. Oh my god! Also for the dead dog, first of all, I'm like fucking a. Oh my god! And the way it was shot, it's just yeah. like it's so happy go lucky, and your dog died, but your you dog get died, this virtual. Give you this thing, and that'll totally take its place. Well, it's kind of funny because the marketing for the like whenever we see marketing for the products, it's pretty inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, it is. it's oh, very yeah. tongue in cheek. And like so like the pet is like touch his butt to find out app. his mood. Yeah. <laughs> and then like you can feed it through the app. But if you overfeed it, it like shoots, it poops out these little tiny pellets. Raisins or something. Yeah. I wonder if Megan <laughs> poops. Everyone well, can't poops feed. Yeah, 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 I read that. that little. Does an android poop when it dreams? I don't know. Nice reference. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, tears, it's like tears in a rain, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so what did you guys think of the design of Megan? Like, how how does Megan look to you? Fucking loved it. I yeah. actually I loved do like it. it too. I, it's one of the big pluses. Yeah, I, I thought it looked really creepy. Um, she's menacing. Very yeah. easy. Just a little, a little was, bit of her face changes. And then all of a sudden, she's got this look on her face where you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah, what the director and editors did like throughout the movie, it just it like Heidelberg said, it was like this this more menacing face where it starts off very innocent and just, you know, I'm the same age as you and I'm just here for you. And then you see these side eyes, you know, the way that the director shot it or side eyes or a little squint, like getting menacing. Yeah. It, it was it, it, like it she's was subtle, analyzing but something, you know, yep. she's watching. Exactly. And like. Like you said, there, there's there's a creepiness to the the doll's eyes too, like the the dull eyes as well in a product like this. When you see it just sitting there, that looks creepy too. But when you see it actually looking at you, like as you leave, and it focuses on you, even though it has no reason to, like why is it watching you still? Mm -hmm. I think they do a pretty good job with that, and I I believe the majority of it's all practical effects, which I, I applaud them for. Mm, not not entirely. Not all. Well, maybe when she does some of the running around. But there's two actresses I know that play her. I'm yeah. thinking one does the physicality, one does the voice, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so the the actress who did the the physical acting, she did have like a silicone mask on her face, um, mm -hmm. and then they do like they did CGI on it to like I think they to do all the facial okay. expression. Okay. Was that actually a little girl that did the physical acting? Yes. Yeah. Her yes. name is Amy Donald. Wow. Yeah. So like the and, dance scene and stuff like that, that's her performing that. There were several versions of the doll, though. So, you know, most of the time that you see her, it's the actress and that they, you know, she's got the mask on and they do the kind of digital smoothing and facial, like the the subtle facial expressions. Oh, the blanking and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I get that. There were, yeah. there were also a couple of animatronic dolls um, for like there was one for close ups of the face. And mm -hmm. so 
there's like close-ups of the face that's not the actress that's like an because you don't need the whole actress there for that it's just like doing the facial stuff um there was another one for other like kind of body work um it didn't i don't i don't know specifically what and then they just had like a plain dummy for like when she just has to be sitting there kind Mm -hmm. of not there's just like a dummy and Um, i say the actress that played katie was fantastic in this movie i gotta disagree yeah do you really i i thought she was great i just do there's no emotion there there's nothing when we see her in that video where she's talking about enjoying time with the doll, that's the only time she actually emotes. Anytime she's in any other scene with her aunt, it's like she's just got like this like shit face on. I'm going no to specifically go to... She took me yeah, out of it. No, I, there's one specific scene that really brought me in to her as an actress. Yeah. Um, she was talking to the psychiatrist or the psychologist, whatever, and Megan's sitting in the back. And like the way she wipes tears away, like like the like kid's ashamed of like crying or something like that and there's no more tissues in the tissue box and then megan's like right behind the psychiatrist and it was just like that was a good scene really Mm -hmm. it it drew me in yeah i I don't i feel bad because like kid actors they're just they're doing best but in general it's like pretty tough to impress me as a child actor i felt this one was okay um I, i didn't love her i think she it's it just it felt like she was acting. It felt like you know after her mm-hmm. parents died, the director was like, "Okay, now just look really depressed or like look really sad," and she just kind of put on like yeah. a pouty. Then you know, it's not her fault. Been... Maybe it's the directing. They just didn't pull the performance out of her, being that she's a younger kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to tell kind of show her the ropes a little bit, and then draw that performance out of her. What's well, yeah, like the like, Danny Lo- Lloyd syndrome, you know? It's like you don't want to tell a kid that your parents really died, but hey, I just want you to be sad. Think about something that made you sad, you know? Just, yeah. I thought she was great, though. I, I enjoyed it, her. There were moments. It just, it really it felt like acting to me. It didn't feel, it didn't like blend it. You know my, my, my issue was that she was just kind of one note. She was just the depressed look almost the entire film. She never emoted a lot, like any joy or any, and I get it, like there were moments that, aren't going to bring that to this character. But even when she was just in the backseat with her parents, I just like, there's nothing in this film that sort of like drew me towards her character. I'll be honest. Well, I disagree. I I think that it, it, because of the, you know, technology nowadays, you know, going back on that is that I think kids don't do that anymore. They're, they're so focused on their iPads or their Kindles or which this film is definitely speaking on. So yeah, actually, I I do think that, uh, to a certain level and this is you know a generalization but i think to a certain degree kids like affect and emotions have been like blunted but yeah. if there's too much screen time and stuff it's like they it's like they don't learn how they don't learn how to like emotionally relate and i would also say especially after covid when kids couldn't socialize as much and mm-hmm. they were spending even more time on devices i think that yeah, was like a, their growth a lot of yeah like in terms of like social and emotional development you can see that uh, but i also so just as far as her acting there's like moments that i feel like i got a vibe like she is a good actress but i just don't know that she either a had the range to pull off this character like there could have been somebody probably better cast or maybe they just didn't draw it out of her like i said like maybe she, they should have went over some things with her first before setting up a scene like she kind of just went that that one thing, like you said, Jacqueline, like your parents died and you're very upset. And there was moments of where she gets super upset, which is like, OK, I get it. Like she's a child who's, you know, affected by huge trauma. But I don't know. Some of it, right? Well, yeah. 
It, Jacqueline, I, let me ask you something though, real quick. Is is yeah. that that scene when they first like the investors first come in, right? Mm -hmm. So that that scene where she's just upset and you know, I I'm just going to think of my mom as a you know a stranger or something like that, and then Megan comes over to her and say, "Tell me a nice story about your mom." That was a good scene. I love that scene. But again, she's playing on the negative. She's playing on the depressional part. You know what I mean? She's playing on the sad. I'm a sad girl, which she was. Well, not necessarily, because Megan was trying to bring out that the happiness of the cockroach <laughs> running up her mom's arm, and she's like running out of the house of yeah. you know screaming, and that that was kind of funny. And she played it back to her, and she just kind of smiled. This girl looked oh. like she could play a modern day remake of Samara if there was I a mm. say that. Yeah, yeah, she looked like the young Samara. That that was on my notes. Yeah, like her uh, hair and everything. Yeah. I did her performance, but I, for different reasons from Hyderberg, I didn't think her performance was one note because I do think there are other emotional states that we see her go through. Like she does seem to like brighten up and have some light in her eyes when she's interacting with Megan. And then there's also a point in the narrative where she like she's losing control because she's been separated from Megan and she becomes like she slowly becomes like kind of bratty and to well at first it just starts out with like some back talk and some attitude to Gemma but then mm -hmm. it devolves to like absolute hysteria like in a tantrum when she's yeah, taking she it when a scissors and smacks her in yeah I, yeah I didn't like that at all I didn't like that either and it didn't feel earned to be honest yeah it felt like it happened too fast although I I did I did get a, a laugh when she's like uh, perpetual I don't like I hate that perpetual pet perpetual pets pets suck shit <laughs> yeah because Gemma asked her about it early on as if that was going to be like something that was going to help her through a parent's death like oh do you have that perpetual pet I gave you it's like fun <laughs> that thing is not a miracle worker it's like it's a fucking no, it's, it's like associated with it's associated with the, the crash I'm going to go back to the scene you're talking it about is. Jacqueline it's like I love the, the way it was shot though because it was like aimed up at Allison Williams face it looked mm -hmm. like Allison Williams was going to lay this actress out like like she was gonna <laughs> rear back and punch her well i mean that it would be tempting like oh yeah yeah but i i like the way allison williams I do, reacted I think, to it i think that scene the slap and all that stuff to me played out cheesy but i do like the the moment that they had after it i thought that felt more genuine when she actually speaks to her like look i'm not mad that you hit me i get it like and then kind of talks to her like real life you know yeah we ourselves from megan and williams good acting yeah, I thought there were moments. Look, I don't think she's trash. I just gotta be honest, like she's not my favorite part of the movie. I do want to go back. You you mentioned the accident with the parents. I have a huge problem with the accident from the parents. Same. I sorry. Okay. It, it so Katie's parents have a small disagreement over her screen time. Fine. Dad loses control of the car in the snow. They get like going uphill. So her parents decide like the mom kind of talks the dad into it. Like it's a good idea to park the car in the middle of the road in a fucking snowstorm and just let the storm pass because dad didn't know whether he's driving a four by four or not. Seriously, bro. Like what dad doesn't know that he's driving a four by four. Is it rented? We don't, they never set up the scene properly. Then they're killed by a plow. The end, like all of it's rather dumb to be honest, in my opinion, the way it's set up, the way it all plays out. It's just the, the only nice thing about it is the transition that we get to the title card after with the broken glass noise. The idea of like this man, not knowing that he's driving a four by four, risking his family's life, whatever, fine. You're going up the hill. You made the wrong decision. Okay. And you decide to stop in the middle of the road to wait it out. Like, come on, man. Like all sense went out the window during the writing of the scene. And it's just kind of, it just doesn't catch me 
it doesn't get me on Katie's side either. Like it's like I should there should be a scene that totally bonds me to Katie right away. And yeah. it doesn't. And I don't even feel for the death of the of the parents because I'm just like, OK, there's no out, there's no out exterior scene that sh- sets up how bad the snow really looks. We see a moment mm-hmm. of the car like, you know, fucking skidding out and that's it. I just felt like that one scene just felt so tacked on that. It, and it's I think it's important, though, because it sets the motion of the film and like the emotional journey that Katie's going to go on. And I just don't feel like it resonates for me, at least like I, it just felt false. Like they they filmed it in a in a fucking lot. There was in CGI. There's no real world element. John, there's no cold breath. <laughs> I mean, maybe the car's warmed up enough, but there's no cold breath. It just doesn't look real. <laughs> no, Heidelberg, I agree with you. And I well, and the, the frustrating thing is like they could have had this. They could have set up the same like effect narratively like like i have no problem with there being a car accident and the parents dying but like because you know that's why she needs a friend she has to go live with her aunt like yeah but the way that like they could have so easily have come up with a better way to create that car accident you know what i mean like because i agree with you it's so stupid he doesn't know what kind of vehicle he's driving and you don't just stop in the road like it just feels tacked on (laughs) like just to service the plot to get to the next you know bump in the story it's well, like, I blame oh, I I blame the skip uh, the script writer on this one because it like the whole conversation was like, well, we should have put tire chains on. Well, I I we ran we into the ten minutes ago, and I was like, yeah. I agree. I I thought this whole scene sucked. I love the transition from you know the commercial of the little fur baby things to her playing <laughs> on her on her tablet. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, yeah. I thought that was really cool, but like the whole scene after that was like. The conversation this, between uh, the parents in the car, I'm fine with all that. Like screen time and sure. homeschooler. Yeah, like that, that's fine. Of, yeah, I, that's fine. And and even having like a bickering argument, which could set you off, like, you know, you, you're not paying attention now and your car skids into a snowplow. That would have made more sense. And yes. show me some exterior right. shots. Show me a fucking action shot of a car no. steering into like a moving it, exactly right. Work. Like like and no, honey, you gotta pull over. No, I'm gonna keep going. We'll be fine. Yeah, Don't give worry me, about yeah, it. Yeah, give me the you guy. Know, he's, yeah. just, he's stubborn yeah, and he's exactly. like, I can do this. I got this. That little tweak would have made it even better. So yeah, it just didn't but I agree. It, and it should have sat with me better because that yeah. should have connected me to Katie's character off the bat. And it just doesn't. And it's it's so weird because I I like I've lost both my parents, and that scene just doesn't resonate with me. Like, and it's so easy oh. for a scene like that to tug on my emotions. Sure. And we just didn't do it. And I'm just like, I was amazed by that. I was like, this should have gotten me emotionally easily. Mm-hmm. Well, just on the other side of that argument, though, I mean, it, it could be just it was ambiguous. This could have been any family. Right. True. Uh, like, 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 just you don't really know who they are at the beginning, you know, until, you know, shortly through the movie of this is Katie of, you know, um, what's Allison's name? Oh, um, Gemma. Gemma. Gen- but see, that's my problem is that like I think that scene just not starting the film properly and getting you engaged in these characters. It when we do get introduced to Gemma and Katie, their relationship mm-hmm. and the, them as characters feel a little hollow at first. There's moments yeah. in the film that that redeem that, but at first I just wasn't that interested in Gemma as a character. I was like, okay, I get it. Like she's very particular about you know she's out of her element, taking on the responsibility of like her. Her niece is very heavy on her. Like she's obviously probably never spent much time with her niece. No, well, she's also a very you know career driven, independent yeah. woman that 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 has never had kids. Probably has maybe had a handful of boyfriends. Yeah. The person I loved in this was the neighbor Celia. 
<laughs> she was great. She made like she was comic relief to me. Yeah. Can can we go back to Gemma for a minute though? Sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I I really like. Gemma as a character and I like Allison Williams in the role but I do have a little bit of a problem with the character which is that like she does not seem to really have any reaction at all to the death of her sister no she has no emotional response and there's a moment later I think when the police officer is questioning her I think that's where she somebody's like oh were you were you close with your sister and she's like what I don't know and so it like it hints at the possibility that maybe there was a falling out or they weren't close or whatever. But it's like that with without having any additional context, that response and her lack of emotion in the aftermath of the accident seems really weird to me. Like I get like, you know, John, like you said, she's a career focused person. She's not really like you know she's not in a place where she seems like she's prepared to be a parent she's in like a, a tech industry she's kind of like she's she's like a nerd you know she's like a science yeah, nerd she's on the cutting edge of you know well i would say she was a workaholic maybe she's yeah, not she a super person but i just it felt really strange to me that her character didn't have really any discernible response yeah, like there should have been a moment where she broke that, down yeah like it was like, like on the side out of Rain, so Cody, uh, what's her name? Uh, Katie Schwinn Sears. Oh, yeah, K- yeah, Katie. And it's like, I just felt like there should have been some tender moment between them early on, but it's like Gemma almost seems like she's not even acknowledging that there's been a terrible tragedy. It feels like the kids just coming to stay there on vacation. She's like, okay, come in, bring your stuff. And it's like, why doesn't she? Ha- she's like, oh, I don't have any toys or kids' books or anything. Well, then what the fuck is in all those suitcases? <laughs> yeah. She in all of katie's bags it's like did she yeah. not get any of her stuff from home like well she's she's opening those boxes at one point in the movie but uh, jacqueline i'm gonna go back on what you said it's just like yeah there's no uh, they bring up the point of of i guess the husband's parents wanted to yeah. take her in yeah. florida in jacksonville and it, oh there you go in jacksonville and it, it it's like why didn't she just go there that's you know, her out right there, but I don't know, maybe because she, right. she well, did feel a need to. And Jack and Jacqueline's right because, like, like her saying she has like really no connection to her sister, and then the sister's like, "No, still take care of my daughter." But there's well, a little, like, there's a little, men- yeah, there's a, a little bit of a mention of you know my mom or, or your mom pro- told me to promise her that I would take care of you if anything ever happened to her, and it was just like, and that was still it. like that struggle, like an emotional struggle with Gemma's character during these moments. Like there should have been a moment where she's just like, I don't know if I can do this. She's speaking to herself or she's speaking to her sister, her dead sister. Like if anyone's listening, something like that could have driven me towards her character. She does seem a little self-centered, but not in like a a horrible way. Like she means well, but she's just not, this is not her life. She's like you said, John, she's a career driven woman. She lives by herself, very independent, maybe Mm -hmm. dates a little bit. We see that the, the Elise, uh, Alexa thing blows up her spot with her Tinder profile. She's got five <laughs> notifications on Tinder. I thought that was funny. That's part of the humor. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, because it's like the first thing it does when when she walks in. Um, but yeah, no, she's just, she's like fish out of water, out of her element, and I get that. And then yeah, totally. But there's just more to that complexity of that relationship between her and uh, Katie. And I think this film could have, uh, you know, given us ten minutes or so of developing that. Yeah, because there was a very short scene where it was like, um, you know, uh, Katie actually comes in while Gemma's working 
And she calls out for Katie. Katie, come in and shows her what she's working on on the computer and shows her Bruce. Yeah, I and mean, they bond I mean, in that scene. That, that was a moment. Yeah, yeah a great a bonding thing. moment. And then I wish they had like, a little bit more. Of that. I think Same. they could have they could have built their relationship a little bit to show that it's going well uh, somewhat. And Gemma's trying. And then she, when she, so they introduced Megan right away, and that basically just creates a divide between her and fucking Katie right away. When you could have built like maybe more of a relationship first, and then showed Megan create the divide. Yes, exactly. that would have. You know been what I mean? That- yeah. Like they didn't have that much to begin with to fracture. It's like yeah, it, it exactly. makes it more. It makes it more like poignant if that if there's something there to be broken. Yeah, and it gives more humanity to both the characters. I think we're focused on. I think to see their struggle of like, hey, we're trying to get along. You know, we both this of, is due to both of them. Yeah, I. But I, I also, like, I, I thought it was actually a you know a great thing with Katie of not trusting her aunt because she doesn't know her aunt. I mean, it was almost yeah. like she's a stranger to her. That is true. It's gonna be very tough. Yeah, I do love that. Sorry, withdrawn. No, I was just saying, like, very withdrawn and very guarded against Gemma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I thought I thought that was fine. I I agree with that. I do love though that Gemma is like a big old nerd. Like, I love that (laughs) flexible toys and that she like builds robots. Um, I just just really like seeing like a techie girl like that, and she's. I love how intelligent she is, and like she's sort of. She's, she thinks of things a little differently than everybody, right? Like the way she's living her life and stuff because her mind works differently. She's a problem solver. She's like an engineer. Yeah, exactly. And she's driven. She's super creative. She's been building this Android, like Secretly. kind of under the radar, under her boss's nose with company funds. Can we talk about that boss, David? Yeah. Oh, God. I, oh, oh, my God. He's the worst. Man. What oh. a fucking dick, bro. Oh. I, the guy who performs, who does his role. I forgot his name. I got to look it up. He's so I good. picture him as being like Elon Musk. Ronnie Chang, yeah, he's so good. Fuck Twitter, by the way. <laughs> uh, we actually use ch- Twitter, John. So we love Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. But what? yeah, I know. Like he shows up, and we get Megan before Megan's actually like put together. Uh, she takes a dump while being demonstrated last minute for this guy because he happened to find out she was down there. He's not even. He doesn't even have access to their lab. Um, and he's like, you know, he's got real small dick energy. He's he's swinging it around, trying to like really assert himself, and it's funny. He's got this assistant who just like yeses him to death, whatever he says, he says yes to. And of course, her head explodes, and she, you know, the project gets canceled. Uh, I I honestly think the head explosion was a little bit much. I thought it would have been a little bit cooler to see like her face catch on fire, and then like that would have sufficed. The explosion this... felt really extreme, but yeah. This guy felt like almost offensive to me because he kept slipping in and out of an accent. And I don't know yeah. what he was going for. It, it wasn't like a, you know, your stereotypical, like, like, like racist Asian accent. It was like something else, like almost European, maybe. Maybe it was an Asian dude trying to blend in. So there were moments where he sounded like a bro dude uh, just because of it the just, it, career it felt, that he did. It felt really just kind of offensive to me. I mean, this I, character. I, didn't, was, I never got that. Yeah, this was like a throwaway. He character. just felt like I a mean, dickhead. He he had a cool kill scene. He got killed in a really cool way, you know, with a freaking paper. Cutter. Yeah, <laughs> was, a very sharp one. Yeah. yeah. Um, dude, those but, things. So I think the problem is that scene that I just mentioned that plays out at the same time as the accident, and so we get that moment where Gemma like kind of you know fucks up a little demonstration in front of David last mm-hmm. minute because he found out and then she gets the call about her sister after and it never really transitions well to like 
they they could have blended that scene in somewhere else. I think they could have introduced Gemma and her career a little bit as mm-hmm. well as I don't know the way it plays out. It's just like, oh, I got, you know, my my robot failed and then I got the call about my sister and you never see her actually deal with emotions. So to go back I on your complaint. Like maybe she was like at a bar or at home having a drink, trying to like kind of unwind after having a shit day. Yeah. You know? Kind of like licking her wounds, like, oh my god, my boss just chewed me out, and now I'm under the gun for this thing, and like, oh, what a mess, and like, you know, maybe having a couple of drinks because she can do that because she has like a free lifestyle because she mm-hmm. has no, and then you get the call or something that's like, oh, another well, thing. I think as fast paced a world that we're in right now, I thought that was okay, that was fine because it could have been happening at, at the same time, right? So it could have been in the same universe of where. No, I get that. It was just the way it, the way they blended the scene I, into one another. Like the accident happens, I agree. and then I, she gets I, the call. I didn't yeah, like I that think, either. Yeah, I but, think like I mean, it, if you're taking a different perspective of it, you're looking at it as like, okay, this is happening in the same universe or the exact same time. It was like the um, most important thing to her at that moment was Megan failing, not the fact that her sister. Right. Doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, that didn't bother yeah. me. but I your point about how it could have been better yeah yeah i agree i agree i just think uh i don't know like she's not a bad person obviously Gemma. she's just you know like we said she's just out of her element she's highly intelligent very you know you know can take care of herself i I dig that about her character i actually like her character i i thought she played the part really well of just being like very unaware of like what do i have to do to nurture this child there's (laughs) there's a scene where they're sitting across the table from each other and just eating toast and it's just yeah. like there's you a scene a earlier just toast Jack when she Lane. brings her home <laughs> no, just... when she brings her i'm she kidding her i'm so kidding <laughs> she asked dry, Gemma to read her uh bedtime story and Gemma obviously doesn't have you know those books around so she downloads one on her phone which mm-hmm. you know easy fix but uh she needs to update something and there's like this awkward silence in between her and oh. katie where Gemma's like just looking down at her phone and there's like a moment in between them where there's like the silence and nothing's being said and I do think that does speak, this film does speak on some of the problems that we have in society with our, you know, technology and our obsession over it and how kids are using it. You know, kids are being babysat by tablets nowadays, you know, not necessarily an Android, but there are plenty of people that put their kid in front of like a YouTube video and then like think that's fine. And we were raised similarly. To, it speaks on, you know, the way technology can raise generations. We're seeing that a lot more now with the next couple of generations because of the internet. But I mean, mm-hmm. even us were raised by, the movies, Saturday morning cartoons, like how many parents were able to put their kids down in front of Saturday morning cartoons with a bowl of cereal, a dry bowl of cereal. Um, And that's like a two (laughs) to three hour, four hour block of, of cartoons where a kid could just sit still and wouldn't cause any shit. And it can put parent an extra two to three hours of sleep on a Saturday morning. Like they don't have those things anymore, really. Well, so like my kid, like my kids know how to turn on the TV and that like, there's not like that. I don't know if there's that like Saturday morning block of cartoons anymore because now there's like anymore. all cartoon stations. There's like yeah. and there's like apps with all cartoons on them. And so but like my kids can figure out they can find their, you know, their Pokemon and their Blippy and all that stuff. They can find it themselves and that like they can get up and I like I wouldn't know about it. <laughs> oh really? I guess I guess that's turning back to our time because you know, when I was seven, eight years old, I was able to get, uh, you know, the the stool and be able to reach up for the Rice Krispies and put in my bowl. I would yeah, actually bro. put milk in it, Jacqueline. But I, I would put my Rice Krispies. <laughs> yeah, that's the only <laughs> way to make it snap, crackle, and pop, bro. 
I mean, we had no. we had a tube TV that you had to turn on the TV, then the cable box, and then it yep. was just like you had to let the yeah. TV warm up. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Had to warm yeah. up. So wait, I, now that I'm thinking about it, John, Jacqueline's never experienced Rice Krispie treats. Uh, I mean, Rice Krispies. The no, she's away. never had the snap, crackle, crackle, and pop. Yeah, they, she just had the crunch, they crunch, crunch. Yeah, they snap, yeah. crackle, and pop. He had I the crunch. I have had cereal with milk on it before. All right, all right. <laughs> That is how I know it is disgusting because it gets soggy in two minutes. And then you're just eating like some wet rice. That's nasty. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> not like I've the, never had cereal with milk before. Like there's a way that I know that it's disgusting. The most unracist person on the show is Jacqueline. Yeah. <laughs> Heidelberg just called her racist. You know what would have been funny? I just like thought of it. And this might be out of left field, but. We mentioned that Gemma's like a single woman who lives at home. What if like Katie was in the room and she's like, what's, is this one of your toys? And she picks up something <laughs> that's like, no, put that down. <laughs> well, dude, so they have like vibrators and stuff that you can connect to your app yeah. and control from your phone. Uh, like, I, I mean, it's toys with the black bags. Exactly. And all Gen that's Zers that are like younger, we're kidding. That doesn't happen. You what, can't John? get that. I was kidding. Uh, that, I was joking around. I was oh. like, Gen Zers that, that are listening right now, no, we, we no, don't have that. I'm lying. Well, whatever. We're like, if you're if you're of a, an adult, adult, if you're an adult age, then more power to you. Go get it. They're mm -hmm. expensive. Watch out. Got to save up. So yeah, we mentioned Bruce. I I like the Bruce uh, character, the the robot. Yeah. We, like John, that scene where they bond. I think that's one of the best scenes of them actually like communicating on Agreed. a normal level without any like extra baggage in the room. Mm -hmm. Megan's not a thing yet. So um, and they talk about Bruce, which I know he was going to come into play at some point. Once I the first time I saw this, I'm like, all right, that robot's obviously going to come back at some point <laughs> later. You know, you mm -hmm. can't just, it, just show him to me now. And then he just sits there for the rest of the movie. But I like that, like Gemma gets through the conversation with Katie. She gets the inspiration to finish um, Megan at home, which there's like this time lapse of like her working on Megan somehow at home and getting it done really fast, which is <laughs> unbelievable to me. Seems a little fast. Yeah, she's like, because her project is due on like Monday. She pushes it back like a day, maybe. So yeah. she's got less than a week to com complete Megan in her garage or whatever. I don't know. It was a pretty dope music uh, music montage of like getting it all ready. That was that was cool. It, it felt like I, like a Rocky movie to me. Okay, I can see that now. Yeah, it was like the STEM nerd version of Rocky. It was, mm -hmm. I mean, it was still a cool montage. It just time wise, I was like, she doesn't have a lot of time. But um, yeah, so she she finishes up Megan and they show off Megan instead to David as a surprise. And he's pissed at first, but then he ends up loving it. Yeah. Forward. Well, Rocky didn't have like eight months to grow a beard, but he had a beard like it within a day. Rocky so. did have a robot, though. Maybe, it was, maybe it was a That's... Megan point zero five. What? Mithrigan? Yes, he did. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but yeah, so Mithrigan gets paired with Katie and then so they let Gemma take her home. And that's where we get their their time spent at home where Gemma writes a proposal for like marketing on Megan and just mm -hmm. to speak on like Gemma's character too a little bit it's it's very cold and it kind of lacks like any warmth you know what I mean it's just like it's about letting Megan raise your kids essentially while you're back you know getting back some of your me time which is totally understandable I get that but like the way it comes across in her proposal just seems off like you'd really regret letting your kids like spend time with this prototype babysitter toy um, no I'm I didn't read it that way, actually. No. I, I read it just because a little bit differently. Um, 
what I thought was being implied was in the proposal was like, let Megan take care of the kind of naggy type stuff that parents have to do. Not so that the parent can get more me time, but so that the parent can spend more like fun quality time with the kids and not do like the naggy routine stuff. Okay. I saw because like, get, get like Gemma was getting more work done while she, she you know, Megan's being entertained by, I mean, uh, Megan's entertaining Cody. So. Well, I, well, I know that, 80. I know that that's what Gemma was doing. Like she was doing her own thing and letting Megan take care of Katie. But I think the proposal, the intention of the proposal was like, uh, hey, you as a parent, you can just have more like fun quality time with your kids and let Megan take care of the boring stuff. Because even her like well, her partner mentions too, like, well, that's a lot of time that Megan's going to spend with the kid. You know what I mean? And she's like, well, she's not my kid. And well, yeah, moment where it feels a little cold. I agree. Well, I think what Gemma is doing with Katie and Megan is different from what the intention of the product oh, no, is. Yeah, yeah. Product. I'm just mean like when she wrote it and she's kind of acting it out, like you see her in these, yeah, yeah. Of, these moments of like <laughs> solitude where she's able to do her work without being, you know, annoyed. Yeah, by her. So I think she's clearly misusing okay. it. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. clearly misusing it, but I think the intention for the public is... Right, and I think, Jacqueline, you said it right, is that that Mithrigan actually just... <laughs> she, she, she does all the painstaking taxes task of like oh, don't forget to wash your hands roll up your sleeves come on katie flush the katie, toilet just flush the fucking toilet already come yeah i know exactly say. i mean it, it was like, like 11 like, years old like like just flush the fucking toilet it was like a little chef's kiss right there it was just like flush the toilet katie come on it should have showed you know, a, just... a turd just floating <laughs> oh my god that would have been great. i would have made it flush the toilet <laughs> give it an, an arc right there um <laughs> So I think that's a major design flaw. I, I don't think that's a flaw in the movie. I think that's the major, well, a major design flaw in the product with like how Gemma envisions yeah. this toy is like she's designed it as like both uh, like a friend for a child, but also like a parental figure. Mm-hmm. And I think that those two things are not congruous and cannot peacefully coexist. And I think that's, you know, even as, even assuming you know, we didn't have this like treachery by the other employee and the overtaking of the files and this corruption or whatever. Like, I think had the product been successful and worked correctly, I think that's still a big problem with just the conception, like the concept of the product. I think you're right. That's not going to work. Just like as a parent, you're not here to your child. And like children Mm -hmm. interact differently with peers than they do with their parents or they should anyway. And like as a parent, you can't have that role. Just like you with your friends, you're not going to lecture them about like, especially at like nine years old, you know, you're not going to be like, don't forget to brush your teeth. Like, that's not what nine year old friends do. So yeah, it's yeah, there's, like, right. there's like a built in tension or like a built in conflict right off the, the bat. Like, even if the even if the product had been successful, like, you know, not like it had functioned correctly. I think that would have been a major problem. So I think but I, I'm not criticizing that in the movie, but I'm saying like, that is a good source of the tension already. And then when you add on to that, the the additional like, you know, horror elements to it, I think, you know, it, it's set up well. Yeah. And, you know, people that bought this thing would have used it in that in that that way. Mm-hmm. You know, we it's speaking on, like I said, like the people that just kind of sit their kids in front of like a, a tablet or like that. There are, there are parents that literally think that like, well, they're learning. It's like, OK, but by who? You know, they're not interacting with yeah. a human being either. Exactly. Exactly. Could Megan be like an allegory of like like the bad influence friend when you first start, you know, making a, a friend group? 
like I mean a little bit years old. Like she she's the she's the one that says, Hey, take a puff off this cigarette, or hey, take a sip of this um alcoholic beverage called beer or whatever. I mean, yeah, as long as you gotta get the Bud Light uh like update for Megan and then she'll start pushing certain products. But I think I think you're on to something. I mean, when she glitches out a small amount, like I'd be questioning that right there. And like she yeah. speaks out of turn when she's supposed to be shut down. Yeah. Right. And it's just a little odd, like, okay. That's not you're off. Like, it's definitely weird. Well, but the thing is, like, just like in Child's Play, Megan does not have malice toward Katie. And she's actually not a bad influence on Katie. She's like, she's trying to protect. Granted, she goes fucking nuts. But like, she's protective over Katie. And she's trying to encourage those good habits like she was designed to do. Um, She doesn't become malicious towards katie until katie tries to destroy her at the end in that final yeah. you know, and she, she doesn't does. really get out too much till the dog bite scene mm-hmm. um like which is a good little scare i thought it's you could see it coming but it still worked i thought and that event seems to be what sets megan off and then the way she like stares at the fucking neighbor intently after her hair's all like fucked up uh you know yeah. dog biting her and Megan just looks like I'm gonna fucking kill you, bitch. Like, I just love that <laughs> love look that she's look. giving I the neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I love the I love the neighbor walking through the the, the freaking cul-de-sac or, or like her neighborhood. Gilly! I'm just like Gilly! Yeah, she's got she's got the thing of food and she I don't know it's all she has. <laughs> John, daughter. you mentioned the neighbor earlier. I I agree with you. I thought that was a fun character. I love a bitchy neighbor. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I have to admit, I I enjoyed the drama where she's like, you, you know, you you need to patch up the fence. You need to keep your dog on your property. This kind of like obviously ongoing conflict that they've been having. I was kind of like, oh, get the popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And they they, um, they, they live like two separate different type of lifestyles too. Like Celia seems like maybe she's a hoarder. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I do as much as I don't necessarily love a dog getting killed. I do think the scene where Dewey gets killed is it works for me. I like it that night that Megan kind of sneaks out. Yeah. And she's like intent on getting revenge from getting bitten and and getting back at Celia. And it's very creepy the way like she lures the dog over to the hole in the fence through like voice modulation. I just yeah. kind of loved how like it sounds like the neighbor, but it's off just enough. You can hear it like robotic and it's like, Dewey. What? Well, and I like it from the dog's point of view. Like, yeah, sort of like what? kind of like peeking through like you see the the hand come down behind mm-hmm. the hole but you're like seeing Drop it from the dog and, and it starts to feel tense and like a little bit suspenseful but it's like you're it, it you feel like you're in the dog's point of view which is kind of funny um yeah, i like, love the attitude sound of that it was like yeah yeah it's very robotic just enough where it's like you could tell it's not the real person but it's enough that the dog won't know yeah and i like during this recording Mm-hmm. My, I hope my voice glitches during this recording because my shitty internet connection. <laughs> I do think I don't know. Just like uh, like Megan, we see here that like, she's sneaky and she's intrusive. Um, throughout the rest of the film, we start seeing you know she's she's getting into things she's not supposed to be doing. She's watching at times where you think she's turned off. Um, and like we said, like she is very protective of Katie, and it's yep. it's endearing as well as creepy at the same time, which I think <laughs> works for her character that. That gives her a, dy- a, a a dynamic where she's not just uh, two dimensional. You know, I do think Megan could seem just like you know, oh, it's a it's a doll possessed kind of deal, and we could write it off at that. But I think there's more to her character, which I do kind of enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let me ask you guys. Is, is We saw the unrated version, so we saw a little more gore, probably more F-bombs. Um, would you guys think that the much. gore? I, I haven't yeah. written I mean, down I can... here exactly what the differences are. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, the noticeable changes in gore for me on the unrated <laughs> version where Celia getting her cheek removed from the power washer. You don't see that. Oh, that was awesome. In the, rated, in the theatrical version. You see her get hit by the power washer, and then you see like a pool of blood, and you see the reflection of Megan in it, which there are some scenes that kind of play out better, actually, when they don't show as much. I thought that was one of them. Um, oh. The cheek, because yeah, the cheek is CGI. That. It just doesn't look great. When it, when no, it but tears it, from it, it just doesn't look great. So um, the rest so of it's out. there, like her fighting for her life and having her hand nailed down, like that's all there. Do you um, see Chris get stabbed like like through the heart and then the other guy get his throat cut? Uh, David and, is uh, his name. So David getting sliced all the way through in the elevator, that's there. But in the in, in the unrated version, it, he it, the blade comes all the way through him. And mm -hmm. there's a blood right. splurt that spurts all over David. I mean, mm -hmm. all over yeah. Kurt. In, mm -hmm. in the yeah. rated version, the regular version, you see a little bit of the blade come through and he's obviously hurt. And then it pulls out. That's it. There's no blood splurt. Kurt in the next scene is totally bone dry. And then she kind of mimics his hand grabbing the knife and it looks like it goes into him. You never see that. But the scene that we see okay. is that she mimics like his suicide by slicing his throat. And we see, right. you know, he's covered in blood. He's so I think that scene plays better because I think David's the kind of character you want to see die. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So to see him die violently is is fun. Uh, I just don't <laughs> think it adds enough to really affect my review, though. I actually love the timing of that scene because when the elevator comes down and you see the two dead bodies, you know, Megan's or Mithrigan's is walking out of the elevator and it's just like, okay, on the count of three, let's just act surprised. One, two, and then like this woman screams and then you see this woman go, oh my God, what the fuck is that? I like the scene where she does her dance and stuff. Like it's different. You like that? That's fine. I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, it's be it was become such a huge part of the marketing. I mean, maybe that's yeah. be one reason why someone wouldn't enjoy it as much because it was in the trailer. I mean, yeah, I know, but I it became such a huge thing. Little dance in the first place. I don't know, just to show that she's off and like having fun with it while she's killing people. I don't know. Okay, it was a dance seen... that she learned while she was hanging out with um Katie, Katie. too. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, they showed a scene where they're kind of like doing that uh -huh. kind of like yeah. Whatever they it's call like that in, dance move. Yeah, it's it in called? her DNA now. Like, it's part of her thing. Electric slide. But <laughs> I, I think the way she escapes was cool. Um, I do think that Tess and Cole should have gotten really severely hurt or killed in their scenes. I thought they pulled the pulled their punches on that. Like, yeah. blows up the fucking mm -hmm. lab. She, like, I don't know. To me, if, if she had killed Cole right away, they're throwaway characters anyway. Yeah. You could have killed them. Gruesomely, yeah. and they, it would have just—it would have for me as a horror head. I would have been like, "Yes, you know." I don't know if that would have affected the rating or not. Um, yeah, I, don't I know, know. They were deliberately trying to. So one thing I learned uh, was that they shot it originally and intended it to be an R-rated movie, but then the teaser trailer went viral on TikTok, and because TikTok caters to a younger audience, they decided to try to because it like you know, everybody was watching it so much on TikTok. They were like, "Oh, let's try to." tone this down for a younger audience and get that PG-13 rating. So I, I did find I out, it. I did find out uh, the, uh, I guess, previous to it coming out, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, formerly San Diego Chargers, my team, played the LA Rams and they brought the, uh, a bunch of uh, women dressed like Megan and they did it like a whole like dancing during, during the halftime. And that's it was just cool. like, that's awesome. the smile, smile marketing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, 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 
you had people like sitting in the back going just smiling, you know, the I whole time. That. And I was like, what's wrong with that person? So, I like I like that kind of guerrilla marketing. I think it's rad. Mm-hmm. Same. Same. If you're gonna spend extra money on things, just try try some experimental shit, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially with a film like this. So yeah. Kirk ends up being a mole, right? Or is he just literally like I think I he's just like, like a little fuckboy. Uh, so I, no, I he's a mole like he was because speaking. he's downloading all that stuff to other companies. Yeah, I thought he was gonna take. Yeah, he was gonna take it to Hasbro, or whoever. Like, yeah, yep. I just felt like that part of the storyline was not clear enough. Like, we hadn't spent mm-hmm. much time with Kurt for immediate. Like, I didn't even remember quite who he was um, when like it the, when he when it shows him copying the files. I, well, because he's such a minor character, I was like, wait, where did we see him before? Who's that guy again? I didn't remember that he was like he's like an assistant or something, right? Yeah, to David. To David, right. which obviously is like, We had like literally seen him for like five seconds before, and I didn't even really remember his name. So I was like, "Wait, who's Kurt again?" And I just feel like it's not really made clear what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's like you can tell that it's bad. You can tell that he's doing something nefarious, but I feel like his motives are not clear, and like it's not clear what he's even gonna. Because yeah, we never saw like maybe there was an email to like Hasbro or another toy company where he was like messaging. Right. Like, yeah. what... I felt like that. I felt like that needed to be communicated a little bit better. Like, I think if you watch it a second because... time, yeah, watching it a second time, you see that because I, I mean it's just like he was somewhere else. Well, going to sell again, this first... information. Yeah, the first time you're like. Wait, what the fuck was that? Because he like closes his laptop really quick, and it was just like, yeah, I'll get the menus or whatever. And it, the second time you see it is like copying all these files mm-hmm. to send it to somebody else, and then you pick up, oh, this guy is oh, the so. Okay, so he's sending them to somebody else. Yeah, well, he's he's oh, okay. moving them into his own his own that, like file. I, I picked that up, but I was like, and then I assumed he was going to shop it out to competitors mm-hmm. for the highest bidder. Um. But we get a moment too with the therapist and um, uh, Katie here too, and I do like that. There's a moment where the therapist talks to Gemma, and she does kind of open Gemma's eyes too when she talks about like, well, when a when a child's parents die, and the first person they kind of imprint on, like that they've met, you know, imprints on them, and like so the fact that she's bonding with a robot, it doesn't sit well, you know what I mean? With yeah, the, way not the therapist thinks like I don't think it's good for her. It's never been documented. Like this has never happened before. So like this is not something I, I'd recommend for a child. And I did kind of like that. That opens Gemma's eyes a little bit. Yeah. Because we get like Gemma. She just kind of knows at some point. Like Megan's off script at this point. And there are moments where Gemma's starting to pick it up. Like with with the kid Brandon who dies. Yeah. Can we talk about mm-hmm. that kid? Yeah. Fucking horrible. Fucking hated that kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little sadist little prick. Normally, I, I like thought I thought he was going to try to rape Megan. I I, I, mean, no. way he like, I was like, oh, my God, dude, this just got really weird. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. He was on top of her, like beating her up and stuff. But he's like 16 no, years old. He pulled off her shoe like. and he like almost smelled it. He was like. Yeah. And then he jerked off. Threw off the shoe. And that then... was in the uncut, uncut scene. <laughs> uh, like, why the... When he took off the shoe, I thought he was going to undress her. I was like, insane. Like, you have boobs I'm under like, here. Oh. Like she's a child yeah. robot. You know bro. I don't like when kids fuck down. But I was happy about that kid. I like the moment with her mom, with his mom too, and she's like, "Well, he's still learning, you know. He's a free oh. spirit." And he's like, "Fuck you, Barbara, whatever her name is." And you're like, <laughs> "Nope, nope." Like, what kind he of says, bullshit is off, Like, raise your kids. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't discipline your kids. They turn. This into what happens when your kids raised by an iPad? Yeah. 
uh, Hyderberg, you would be shocked. I, I just that, uh, yeah, yeah. that that is that is real. That can that there are. Some, oh, I know it is. I know like, it is. Like I can oh tell. They're like, oh, Wait, they said the darndest things. Just kids oh like this, and parents who who have alternative ways of raising their children who can't admit to themselves that maybe the way that they chose is not proper and that their kids like starting to rebel or become like a miscreant. And, you know, they just play it along like, Oh, isn't he fucking quirky the way he curses at me? Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And they're making sandwiches. So like, there's they're a moment where sandwiches. they, they want to pick teams. Right. And there's that one kid who whispers to the teacher is like, I don't want to be with Brandon. Yeah. Here's mm-hmm. why. And she's like, Oh, okay. Well, we'll put Brandon with the new girl then. Like, yeah. Awesome. Idea. How about don't put Brandon with anybody? Put him with the teacher. Yeah, right. Team, and so the teacher can see how he fucking acts. Right. He's horrible. Yeah, he's he terrible. had a growth spurt though. Yeah, but he looks like a sixteen-year-old playing with eleven-year-old. Oh, it's it wrong. Oh. But I do. There's oh, moments in this scene that I do love. I do love that zoom in of Megan on Mithrigan on the fucking kids' table with the toy with all the plush toys. <laughs> yeah, I did and too. Like he's just kind of sitting there with like this fucking look on her face. Like I just would rather be somewhere else. I'd rather be ripping some kid's ear off right now. <laughs> <laughs> like which she did which she did and the scene's cool but it's a little rubbery the way they yeah. so they, they focus on it a little bit more in in the unrated version and i think it kind of gives away too yeah because it does yeah. look a little rubbery it looks <laughs> like bubble gum that's been warmed on a sidewalk yeah it's like yeah. peeling off a shoe yeah i don't yeah, think that's what you do yeah. i'll ask Joey. Yeah. it would snap yeah. like quicker but i like yeah. how she like jumps up and like kind of looks at it and then just throws it yeah and- well this, the moment where she drops to all fours and starts chasing him, that freaked me out, actually. Yeah, she's like galloping. That, I wasn't that, expecting Yeah, that was creepy, Jacqueline. Oh, my God. I was like, she achieved it. I like that she there? didn't kill him. You know what I mean? She pushed him to a moment where she, she could assess the situation and see that, like, oh, there's an incoming car. I'm just going to stand here. And then she stands yeah. and wait. And he gets fucking, you know, killed by the car. And she's smart enough to do that, which is scary. Well, she's not that smart because she throws the ear away. Well, and then they find out later. Oh, no, yeah. I found the kid's ear like 50 yards away from that. Well, so I think that's a comment on how Megan, like, functionally is is a child. Yeah. And, like, she, you know, it's referred to True. many times that, like, she has to continue to learn and stuff. And mm-hmm. there's a mention even by Megan that. Um, Gemma's character didn't really program her fully that just like installed a learning system in her and hoped that she would just like figure it all out but there's a lot that she doesn't know and she doesn't have like adult critical thinking capabilities so she does a lot of things that work in the moment but that like don't have good long-term results like throwing the ear away like that's going to give it away that it wasn't just you know yeah, he right. just fell on the road and then later she's like oh I'm gonna like I'm gonna like drill all your limbs or something to Gemma it's like she's not thinking about what the like ramifications of that are and so I think it's supposed to illustrate that she's still like functionally very like in in her like uh, technological development she's still very like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah just like Katie you know well and so like you guys were talking earlier uh about the interesting conversation about uh, the, the therapist saying, oh, you know, she's like imprinting on this. For, she's like really attaching herself to this figure to, after the death of her parents. And this isn't a great idea. It's kind of interesting to extrapolate this scenario. And like if she were allowed to keep Megan in perpetuity, like 
the kids are going to outgrow this doll. Like the doll is designed to look like a nine year old. Like is, are, are the, the children that, that receive this toy as a gift? Like, are they going to be like 12? We can get the teenage version. 16. Are they going to be how long till some teenage kid sticks his dick in his fucking Megan? Oh, right. Exactly. It's going to happen. Oh my God. (laughs) It's going to happen. John. Seriously. And so like, it's not, it's all, that's also not great design. Like it's designed to look like a certain age, but that kid's going to outgrow that toy. And so if you have a kid who's forming like a serious emotional attachment to this toy, Mm -hmm. that's going to get real weird, real fast as the kid. So how long till the first (laughs) Megan user marries his his Megan? Mithrigan. Mithrigan. Her. Did you see that movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix? I have not. I've heard of it and I know what it's about. But... Oh, is like, that the one where he like, talks to Siri or something? Yeah, like that? he falls yeah, in he love falls... with his Siri. Yeah. I would too if it was voiced by Scarlett Johansson. Right? I mean, who can blame? <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, I, like the death of Brandon, I just, I didn't feel any remorse when he died. I was like, good for you. Yeah. Fucking prick. <laughs> well, so that's, but that's the thing though, is like up until Katie turns on Megan and like tries to disable her or whatever like Megan like she adheres to like her own rules you know like and I think that's something that the movie does correctly which is like because sometimes you have movies like this and like but the character kind of like doesn't stick with what they what they sh- you know yeah their parameters they're, oh yeah exactly that, thank you <laughs> I could not come up with what I was trying to say um but like Megan is very loyal to Katie from the beginning and once they're paired she really does stick to that, even when she goes totally off script. Like you said, that was a good way of putting it. Um, like she she betrays her programming in lots of other ways, but she she does stay um, loyal to to Katie. Yeah, which priority is- number one is still Katie's, um, you know, well being. Yeah, she, so I every, something- like she had every right to come to Katie's aid. That that kid was like crushing her hand around a spiked fucking like plant. Like he was a an asshole he was gonna hurt her or break a bone or who knows yeah um you know i don't yeah, know that kid that like doesn't him, he but... whack her in the face or something like that i don't he whacks megan in the face yeah yeah i don't think he hits uh katie in the face but he no. does like he doesn't get the chance to crush her hand with that sharp thing oh then... yeah the the, the chestnuts like, yeah. oh is that what that was Are they yeah kind of foreign like vegetable or whatever like fruit or whatever that was it looked like it had spikes on it that's yeah. racist what? <laughs> what? And I'm racist because of foreign. foreign vegetables? Oh my god. Foreign. I want all the foreign vegetables out of my country. They're taking the jobs of all the fucking vegetables we grow here. They took our jobs! Fucking vegetables. <laughs> what is the poor asparagus to do? I want my MAGA root. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> they took her jobs. Yeah. Uh, so back uh, at Gemma's house, they're having the talk about uh, Katie and Brennan's death, and um, it was funny. This moment, I got I got visions of the bad seed, where a kid at the how at the school died, and there was yeah. mysterious a mysterious death, and like, well, we need to talk about it after. You know, how did it affect you? Although Katie's not the one that's actually you know doing the the bad deeds. It's 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 um what's her name Megan Mithrigan. But um, there's that moment where they're sitting at the table and Megan's there. Megan's at the table every time they're speaking, all the time. Like, Katie can't disconnect at all. Can't even just leave her in the room. But she uses, there's a moment where Katie takes her glass off the coaster and then puts her glass back down off the coaster. And Megan doesn't correct her about it. 
And she yeah. kind of just, her eyes turned towards fucking Gemma, like, are you going to do something about it? And Gemma, do- Gemma notices and doesn't say anything. And that's with that and, and the therapist talking to Gemma, I feel like Gemma's starting to realize. I feel like Gemma should have realized earlier because she's very uh-huh. smart. She's very yeah. smart. She would have known. But there's there's a there's a moment of denial that maybe, well, my creation's not that bad. It's my creation. So yeah. maybe she's just a so little bit of go there yeah, that she's invested in it. She doesn't want to admit that it's fucking, you know, evil. Okay. But you could I feel like she would have known right off the bat. Like this thing's off script. It's it's not acting right. There's, there's a problem. I don't want this near my niece. Right. You know? Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like she should have seen it earlier, but I, I agree that I think there's a a touch of ego there that is preventing her from yeah, really the a little denial a little i do denial. like when she mm-hmm. finally starts coming around these little things are like because there was a moment where megan did correct cody uh i keep calling her cody because it's it's c-a-d-y i've never seen that spelling before katie uh yeah i don't know why so katie when she didn't use the coach for the first time you know megan corrected her like oh well it'll create rings on the table blah blah you know and Gemma was very proud of that. I was like, "Oh yeah, I built that into her because I'm I have OCD about rings on my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big toaster fan, so I built that into my robot. But no, it was cool. And then Megan <laughs> sings Titanium to her by Sia, uh, to send her to bed. I am Titanium. Oh, that Toy Soldier song at the very <laughs> end was dope. Yeah, that was cool. The Toy Soldiers, right? Yeah. There was some moments of music in this film where I was just sort of like, "Oh, okay, that's a bop." Yeah. Oh. Uh, I kind of love the soundtrack of this movie. It was good. I did. Yeah, it was really good. She kills Celia after that because she's getting real brazen at this point. She's killed the dog. She's killed Brennan. Now she's going to go kill Celia. And I I, I do love the way she kind of like ropes Celia into like the shed. Like Celia's been looking around. She's frantic. This is like the only companion Celia has. And this movie's all about companionship. Yeah, making the dog sound. Yeah, and the dog is. No, no, the dog's dead at this point, but. When she right. kills Celia. Yeah, yeah. She makes a dog sound. I know, but she, she draws her yeah. in with the dog sound. I love that that moment where like she you see the eyes a little bit in the shed and it's like it's a lower form and then she raises up and I loved it. That that, yeah. that whole shot right there was perfect. I mean yeah, the way she rose up. Creepy. And you saw her mm-hmm. shadow. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. that's cool. So there's moments this movie definitely does pull off, even in its PG thirteen version of just like creepy robot like you know, goodness, I, I I do enjoy that. There's something about a creepy robot that's off that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I like all those little moments where Megan is just not responding correctly. Like, I think there's a moment when Gemma says, Katie, turn off. I mean, uh, uh, Megan, turn off. And Megan's like, are you sure about that? And it's just like a little... <laughs> oh, that's not right. You know, it's like... Those little moments are more unsettling to me than her, like, walking around with the paper cutter as a machete, you know? Um, she seems to have, like, superhuman strength, I guess, because she's titanium. But, um, yeah, she seems to have, like, extreme superpower strength. But um, I know we're getting close to the end. What did you guys yeah. think of the end, Jacqueline? I think it's interesting that I feel like it's obviously leaving it open for a sequel. And I do have information about that, which I'll share later. Okay. Uh, but I like how it leaves it a little bit open. I, I There's like a kind of dark moment where Megan has been disabled and they're like, oh, the, you know, everything's fine now. Everything's going to be OK. Um, but you like the front door is left open and you can see her little Elsie. You Alexa know, her little thing. Oh, Elsie. That's it. She calls I it was going to call her Elsie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically like her Alexa, but she um you see the Elsie like turn on and start glowing 
on its own and you're like oh shit like what happened here like because remember elsie stopped responding she's like elsie turn the light turn the hall lights on and Mm elsie stopped responding. it's like is she like is megan like controlling her now like did they like that well because there's a moment earlier in the film that touches on that it does show that megan can control elsie because there's a moment where elsie talks to um Gemma while she's in her workshop and it talks mm-hmm. her out of place. And like Gemma knows that she's like, wait a minute. I didn't, I don't ask, you're not designed to ask me emotional questions. Right. And then like, oh, there's he says something to her and then closes the app. And then when she closes her laptop, Gemma, I mean, uh, Megan's standing right there. You're yeah. right. Well, her. Yeah. That's you know, yeah, that a pretty cool moment. Yeah. But you're, you're absolutely so that, right. That was Megan te- like communicating to her through Elsie. Yeah, and so it feels like uh, Megan's like programming or something has, even though the the body of the doll has been destroyed, it seems to like suggest that somehow she's been like uploaded to Elsie or is still controlling her. Yeah, she her paired with Elsie at some point. Something, Elsie has been corrupted. Somehow there's a version of Megan and Elsie, whether she has a body. Right. Or not. Yeah. So yeah, it, there's the also, ghost in the machine. It sets, up, it sets it up nicely for like a, a Megan two point yeah, M- Mephorgan. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, Mithrigan. Matugan? Matugan. 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 Minus one. Mephorgan. <laughs> so, Mithrigan yeah. minus one. It's a tie-in to the uh, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying is that there was also a scene where Gemma grabs uh, Katie's arm and then um, uh, Mithrigan actually says let her go and then like the lights so i mean that gives you an indication that she's taken over the the, the whole thing right yeah yeah um, and we I see that how... she's corrupted her own data so that right. Gemma, when she goes to investigate she can't see the killing of brennan or any of that time frame right. like that's, that. that's pretty smart i i, I like that because it's like you know you you assume everything is going to be backed up you've designed it to like back up all these files and save all this data and but it's not available even though it should be i think that's i do kind of like that turn where th- there's a frankenstein nature to it where it's sort of like well the doctor you know thinks that they're the smartest one in the room and they created the monster but then they don't realize how intelligent the monster is and so like with Gemma, like yeah she's like not anticipating the fact that you know megan can can interact with all these other devices and move her consciousness a little bit or delete things out of her you know Go outside of her, 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 um, what's the proper word? Her limitations or her her limitations or her, there's a technical word for stuff like that. But, um, yeah, no, but basically like she's going beyond what she's designed for. Hydroberg, I absolutely love that you said that because, you know, in this discussion, you know, we were talking earlier about how these are not new themes that we're seeing in this movie. This like discomfort with the advancement of technology um you know this is specifically about ai technology and even that's not really new but um you know we saw that in alien with uh what's his name and we saw it in uh, 2001 space but when you really think about it these are all frankenstein stories like this discomfort with technology and like creating life and it getting out of hand like it all started with frankenstein and i i hadn't really put that together but i absolutely love that you said that just now I mean, yeah, they, they, they definitely right? they have similar threads, right? You know, goes, this is two hundred years old. This story, yeah, yeah I think so, Frankenstein, that's true. Frankenstein's themes they ring true in a lot of stories more than we realize. I mean, it's, sure. that was like, that was like the first science fiction, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but the fact that she can pull from all this information around the internet, or like having this Elsie thing, you know, the Alexa type thing, 
is being able to pull that. It, it makes it scarier a little bit, right? Well, then Absolutely. we see like her reach, how far it can spread too. Yeah. Uh, sorry, what'd you say, Hydroberg? No, I'm just saying at this point, it's like her demonstrating her reach too. Like you can yeah. see now how far mm-hmm. Megan, because Megan's just sitting in the other room. She's in the fucking bedroom at this point, but yeah. she's still able to, while she's docked, interact with these other devices, which can see Gemma in another room, like things like that. Like she's tapping into cameras, she's tapping into microphones. Yeah. Right. The internet. Information. Where he's like connected to the smart home, you know, like all the smart devices. So let me ask you guys, because you saying that like, oh, she can scour the internet. It kind of makes me think of like ChatGPT and it has all this access, but then sometimes, you know, there's been reports that like some of the information that it generates is just wrong. And so... I'm curious just to ask you guys, like, how comfortable or uncomfortable are you with the, like, current and continuing advancement in artificial intelligence? I don't like, know. I'm weirded. I'm art. impressed by it and weirded out by it at the same time. There's part of me that says let it do its thing because uh, it's incredible. But at the same time, it's like, well, where do we draw the line? Who's going to draw the line? I mean, who's what are we using this information for nowadays? We're replacing people's jobs with these things. Um uh, but what, what these things are very smart. They're creating for us. We're, we're getting to a point where we're going to be able to create art yeah. and use AI to do it for us. Right. And then like, yeah. what, at what point does this AI rebel and say, we're doing all the work now? Like, or what, I don't know. Like there's so many different avenues to go down. It's interesting. I'm a little worried by the world we're living in right now. Yeah. Have you seen AI art? Yes. Even when it's meant to hit a certain mark, it's there's a creepy nature to AI art. As a horror fan, I kind of love it because when I look mm-hmm. at it, it just it hits that spot in me where I'm just like, this is fucking creepy. But Ooh, like finding art that you shared before. Ooh. Yeah, this is AI like sh- sharing this. So like, what the fuck is the AI looking at? Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I guess like for me, like I hope that happens 60 years from now because I'll be dead, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but by then you'll be a floating head in a glass case. You won't be dead. Futurama. Nice reference. Um, no, it is a little creepy. It's creepy that we can, you know, that, you know, one of the reasons that, that, um, SAG or, or like the uh, writers and actors are on strike right now is because of the AI stuff. And did you see that? What they were, uh, I don't know how, like, yeah, legitimate that statement was, but there was like several studios that supposedly were okay with AI capturing like an extra's performance, you know, and just an yeah, it's like paying them for the day and then using their performance or their likeness forever yeah. for yeah. anything they want without paying people. Yeah, right. Taking written words, which they could be making you do things. You're they you could use your likeness to do things that you literally are against in real life. You know what I mean? And that's like, insane. Yeah. Like it's insane to me right now because this movie Unethical. was made last year. It came out early this year. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's a writers and actor strike. And it's like, you know, all this AI, all this, all this other stuff is just really kind of going into the flow of like, I get it. Actors, writers need to get paid as much as anybody else, you know, teachers. It's more about um, residuals too. It's about their work being reused. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. And all the other absolutely. avenues of yeah of revenue that are being generated on their it's work a, that they're it's not a big streaming created. thing, right? Yeah. Like streaming is like the main yeah. thing with this. It, yeah, they're not getting paid as get much paid for streaming. Once. I get it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not to get the political. Sorry. No, no, no. I don't. I don't think it's a topic for this movie. Hydroberg, mm-hmm. I 
agree with um, everything you said and, and John, you too, but specifically Hydroberg one point you made, which is that like who gets to decide where the line is drawn. Mm-hmm. And the fact mm-hmm. is as of right now, there really aren't any boundaries. Yeah. And like, it's not in full swing yet, but it's like, it's only going to get on the more- precipice right now. I feel like we're like- there. Yeah, it's going to get exponentially more ubiquitous and exponentially more powerful in a short time. And so I definitely feel a strong uneasiness about it. And I think a lot of other people do, too. Like, where is this going to lead us? What does this mean for the future of humanity? And so I think that this was a good time for this particular film um, to come out, because I feel like that's kind of an anxiety that a lot of people have right now about, like, what is it going to mean to be human when uh like you don't have to raise your kids you know like when you can just have what kind of humans are we raising at that point then exactly so it's like i mean and just in so many ways that we don't have time to discuss on the show it's it's concerning and but at the same time really interesting and fascinating and impressive like the fact that human beings created this is amazing right uh but so it's i mean it is and so i think there's a lot of internal tension with most people i would i would argue about like the where this is going to lead and so i think it's a you know that's one of the things that horror does best you know when it's working at its best the problem uh, is that you 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 focus too much on whether you could and you never thought about whether you should good see jeff was warning us about this it was jurassic park speaks volumes we are living in a world where jurassic park could happen it's or true. a version of we can either have a real life like clone jurassic park we could have an ai driven Jurassic Park, you know, like fucking fake ro- robot dinosaurs. But either, like Michael Crichton was on to things when he wrote a lot of these uh, books. He so, was twenty years, forty years later. Like now, I yeah, totally agree. And so I, I just think that this is an example of when horror works really well or can work really well, which is when it captures you know a specific anxiety that people are having at a particular yeah, a real, time. A real life scare, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I kind of I look. Yeah, I love the advancement from like like kids being attached to their devices to almost a human being that they can relate to and get away from everything else. You know, the reality of life that. Yeah, that's the scary part to me is that it's not just, you know, playing Candy Crush or whatever you're playing on your device that that you can express your feelings to something else that is not human that's a robot or your it's device odd, yeah it's an odd blend because there's a moment where like yeah. well like well there's some there's some kids who don't have a lot of friends so if they could have a android friend wouldn't that make their life better maybe but well, and Ka- katie's the perfect yeah, yeah kate katie is the perfect example of that because exactly. she lost her parents you know and not every kid's going to be able to to relate to but that. I think the, the, like, the movie itself is a lesson that she should be bonding more with her aunt over anything. Sure. Black and blood over fucking metal and, you know, synthetic. But it's also a, a lesson to, to Gemma of yeah. like, pay yeah. attention to her and, right. you know, fuck what you're doing right now. Just pay attention to your niece. Which yeah, is almost so like, oh, can you create our, our, you can create like artificial life with this robot, but nothing is, Nothing compares to creating real life, right? And you didn't you didn't create your niece, but now she's yours, right? And she you have you're her guardian right. to take care of her. And so But you're gonna create something to take care of her, which is your device well, at or first, whatever yeah. it is. So yeah. But then yeah, she, so she realizes I, I, that it's an error. I agree with you. And I, so I think that this movie is primarily about two things. Like number one, um, you know, the discomfort with the advancement of artificial intelligence and like 
just our relationship as human beings with technology. But then also as a secondary theme, I think it's about like the the travails of raising children specifically in this very technological mm-hmm. age. and like the line you walk with that. Like, you, can you use technology for educational purposes? Absolutely. And I do mm-hmm. from time to time with my kids. But it's like it's a balance that we have to learn because it's it a relatively right. And so like, you, you know, some of these things are unprecedented. And so you don't know exactly what like you don't always know how to forge that path. Right. And yeah. so it's about and so that's stressful as a parent, like, what is the right amount? What are the lines that you draw? Like, what are the limits that you set? Because like, we just don't know yet. So I think that's kind of the secondary subject matter of the film, which is like, raising children in in this particular age. Yeah, there's a scene in the end too where Megan shows up at the house and, the, you know, she scares Gemma, which was I thought was really good. I felt like really engaged in the dialogue in this moment. And there's a moment where like Gemma's looking around the house, it's bathed in blue blue light and like she's looking around she doesn't see anything and then like john you said the piano plays and she's playing um toy soldier um which was a good song to play uh it it felt it took me out of place for a moment but then i was like all right it still hits because it's a good song choice but that's sort of that's sort of megan's way too mithrigan is like she she's a toy she plays along she plays a game you know what i mean even when she's being sadistic she's still playing a game with you a little bit but I, I kind of like that moment where like they're talking and she's kind of putting Gemma in her place. And she was like very intimidating, like now sit. And she turns on the lights and Gemma bumps into the chair. And like they're obviously the next thing to do is I need to sit because that's what she's telling me to do. And then Katie yeah. comes into the room and there's like that moment where they both speak to Katie because Katie's being inquisitive. And yeah. like neither of them want her to come in the room for separate reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of love that. Like they're both speaking from an authoritative sort of voice. And Katie's listening to both. She doesn't know who to listen to right now. She right. was in the Aunt Gemma, but now Megan's in the room and she's confused and she's like, well, okay, I'll just go back to my room. And I think that does speak pretty well on like what we're talking about, these themes. Yes, I think that's such a good illustration of the confusion that can arise when you have a thing that's designed to like take over your parenting responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who does it listen to in, in the final moments like in a moment like this where you need to get your kids attention well and there's even a thing uh in the final scene like when they're having that showdown in the workshop when megan's like she's talking to Gemma, and she goes you installed a learning module in me that you barely even understood yeah. and you just hope that i would figure it out but you're not going to do the same thing to katie it's mm-hmm. like she's she has even observed that Gemma is neglecting katie you see the way she With speaks, her, dude? She's like, I'm creating an environment so our child, she says our child, mm-hmm. can grow up properly. You yeah. know, she's she's she realizes that like her, she thinks her and Gemma are in it together to raise Katie properly. And like she's invested. Yeah. She's, you know, she has a stake in this now. And she's ready to do it herself now. Whatever, and she's ready to do what, yeah, she's ready to do whatever she has to. She realizes that like, yeah, she realizes that like, well, if I did de- debilitate you, uh, I could still be used as a like a home health care sort of aid. I could take care of what you and fucking Katie and help raise Katie because that's right. But Thrigan actually makes it a point to say, you know, it's like, hey, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. Hey, just go ahead and go away. This is all well, she tries to appeal of. to that like, nature. She, well, she, Gemma, she right? manipulates. Yeah. Yeah. She man- manipulates Gemma like the whole time. It's, yeah, it's, like, even, yeah. Replicates her voice. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Which Gemma's sort of like fucking bugging out about. 
Gemma has yeah. no idea how advanced this thing is that she put out there. That's the thing is like, it, you know, we mentioned before how quickly she kind of threw the end stages together in like a week. Mm-hmm. Well, I think mm-hmm. that kind of, like, I feel like that's almost kind of necessary. Yeah, for, for the haphazard way of... For her to, for the, for Megan to go so wrong. Yeah, you know? that makes um, sense. Like, if she had taken another five, I feel like completing this thing correctly should have taken like another five years. Yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah, there was a lot of um, testing you needed to so do, it like involvement most, with humans. Yeah, it's like the most advanced technology ever. So it's like, I just feel like it should be taking years. But I do really <laughs> enjoy Katie, uh, Megan's look though. Like, once she gets into it with um, Gemma and like they're fighting. Oh, yeah. Like, she grabs the hammer, she throws the table out of the way, and you're like, oh, this little chick is. She's fucking strong. And then like they <laughs> battle like- it out and she grabs she grabs the hedger, the hedge trimmer. And you mm-hmm. get like, a real Bruce Campbell type moment where she goes like toe to toe with her. And she like I like the way she cuts a huge gash in her face, but then also gets her hair stuck because that's what would happen. Yeah. And the hair and just rips great. off. And then, yeah. And then we get like this bald version, like slightly bald version of Megan yeah. where she's missing a huge chunk of hair. And it's so menacing looking. I thought they really didn't it feel like an homage to Terminator, though. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, you can't not yeah. draw that comparison. I feel like I, I. The thing about this film, I think that they do pretty well. Is they know all the comparisons you're going to draw, and they mm-hmm. don't like. Yeah, yeah, They just go for it anyway. They're it, like, we get it. We're going to be. It wasn't. Ch- we're going to be. Yeah. No, Heidelberg. I, I don't think it's. Heidelberg, I don't think it's cheaply done. I thought it was well done. I thought it was well done the way they paid homage to all mm-hmm. these other movies. And it wasn't um, heavy handed. No, it really wasn't. But like, like unless you've seen Terminator or Terminator 2 or whatever, you know, you wouldn't get that. I got reference. a little deadly like, best friend from this also. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen that. Mm, I don't know that one. Miles picked it for one of his picks for a strange film. It's an 80s oh, film. Okay. It's a Wes Craven film. Oh, cool. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, basketball. You guys ready to uh, start wrapping this one up? Yeah. Yep. yeah we can do that. Yeah, let's uh, do it. Let me just check real quick just to see if I got any. I had a couple of notes here at the end. Um, I don't know. Uh, I just thought the, that the fight was cool. Bruce getting involved. Cool. Uh, I'm glad that they, they used practical for the most part. I think it shows where you really needed it to. Um, and I, like I said, when, when her face is split, like the way the skin moves when she's speaking is very. Um, very creepy. I thought it was good. Good effect. Yeah, yeah. And I do I do kind of like the uh Megan, you know, disappearing into the Elsie uh like robot thing. I thought that was a you know, it's a good way to keep the keep that for the sequel. Like we'll figure out what we do with the sequel, but I did like that. I also <laughs> didn't know real quick, I just I for some reason I never knew that this was a James Wan written film or like he was one oh, of the writers. Really? I, I didn't know oh, that. The producer i didn't know he wrote it yeah, he was one of the writers also he was like a co-writer oh. um yeah i blanked oh. out on the name because i don't know maybe because some he's got that some love behind him but when i was putting my notes together i saw that and i was just like oh that's interesting oh. but uh and one thing i did like real quick uh just it really has nothing to do with the movie but we touched on kaiju's earlier side note i just really like the atomic monster graphic like the film company that put them together <laughs> yeah you know, like of the like monster attacking the city and then this like android sort of like robot fucking hero Shooting coming down yeah uh, that's pretty cool arms. A cool yeah, that was cool yeah man when whenever yeah. there's a title like a sequence for like a film production company or something that, that grabs my eye i always like commenting on it because i think that's cool that's the miracle movies those little things mm-hmm. anyway all right well john this was your yes. pick. would you your review first yeah, I'm going to go really quick. Um, 
actually really enjoyed the acting in this movie. Uh, this is not my flavor of subgenre of horror movies, uh, you know, technology type stuff. But I thought us discussing it uh, was really important because I think a lot of people really enjoyed this. And I, I, <clears throat> we all mentioned it in the beginning of, you know, this movie really, uh, you know, it, it could really bring a lot of new eyes to the horror movie genre or uh, subgenre or whatever. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> I enjoyed the character of Katie. I enjoyed the character of Gemma. You know, I, I actually really liked all the characters. I thought the the beginning scene of the parents dying, that just was so poorly done. Um, mm -hmm. It could have set up a lot more emotion mm -hmm. for, you know, I don't know. God, I, I'll let you guys talk more. I'm actually going to give this a movie done suck. I think, like, new watchers of horror movies really need to watch it. Not for me, but I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Fuck off, Hollies. <laughs> okay. That's All what right. the kid said to his mom, so. Yeah, that's hilarious. All right, John says 7 out of 10. Fuck off, Hollies. What about you, Hyderberg? Hold on, I'm still processing that. Uh, I'm trying to text. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to put into the uh, Google Doc. Fuck off, Holly. Not laugh at it. <laughs> Fuck off, Holly. Oh, he's so spirited, isn't he? <laughs> Must be all the oh. nut I guys I gave him. I, I can only imagine what I would do if my child said that to me. Yeah. Uh and look, I get like trying to raise your kid on an alternative way. I, I like even Katie, she's homeschooled. Like that's a moment with her character too. So like I get that. This film kind of does speak on that a little bit, these alternative mm -hmm. like ways to raise kids. Um but uh yeah, let's review this movie. Uh pros. Practical effects, pretty great. I dig them. Uh for the most part. Uh, there's not so much CGI. There's some CGI blood and stuff like that. And a lot of that's related to the actual um, unrated version and not the theatrical version. Um, there's a there's a nice blend here. I do think like Megan, Megan's done really well. She's eerie as fuck. And I do, I, I appreciate that. I, I There's a subtleness to her where she's not overly creepy right off the bat, but she's obviously off. Like just, She's a fucking robot. Like, it's kind of creepy. She's got a human's face. Like, as soon as you put human skin on a robot, oh, there's a creepy nature there. And I've, we've all seen Terminator, so yeah. we all know where that leads, you know? Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, the more and more that they look like humans, but a little bit off, the the creepier it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the film does a great job creating menace in Megan. I think it it's, it's shot really well. And the way the scenes are framed and stuff like that, the way it's shot and the cinematography... Megan just like she stands out in a lot of the scenes and it's subtle. Sometimes it's like an eye movement or her facial expression. Uh, and I like that. I pick up on it. Um, the the performance of Megan, like I said, is just uh, it's definitely a standout in my opinion. Um, the young ladies that play her, I think they did a great job. Um, they, they, Megan could have been like the worst part of this film and I could have still and maybe enjoyed it. But I think she's one of the better parts. Like she's not really a huge complaint. It's more of the stuff that's built around her. It's like they built the movie outside of her. They they got her first, and then they built the movie out from there. And that's where some of the my digs come as far as like the character development and stuff like that. I think the gore was minimal, but when it's there, it's decent. The kills are decent. Um, some of the gore is CGI though, and it shows. And I don't. I just can't understand why they go that route anymore. I think. I think prices have changed too on CGI and practical. I think it used to be that CGI was cheaper, but now I think it's 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 not quite that. So I think we're seeing more 
practical nowadays than we used to. Or mm. more people like holding on to that, which I would love to see because it just holds up better, even when it's not as good. It just it holds up the test of time where CGI bad CGI just doesn't. And mm-hmm. this film adds CGI to moments where I just feel like the practical would have felt better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like there's a very good entry level. This is a very good entry level horror film for someone younger in your life to introduce them to. So as an older horror fan, um. You know, one of the joys is introducing these movies to someone that you know in your life that's younger. Um, maybe they're not into horror. Maybe they are. We don't know, right? Until we're experiencing these things. And sometimes it's like we don't know what age to experience these things at or to introduce these things to, to people in our lives. So I think a film like this is pretty good. And then you could be like, well, did you like that? Well, then let's go home and we'll watch Child's Play or something like that. And like, you can bring that into their life. And I think that's cool. You do need the, these kind of films are important. Um, mm-hmm. to I, I understand that they go PG-13 so they can get a, a larger market and make more money. But at the same time, these kind of films do serve a purpose of like, you know, we're sort of trying to fill the ranks of like, we want more horror fans. We want more people to experience horror and enjoy it. A lot of people just put it off like it's like crap. And it's like, no, th- this is a genre of films that literally you're going to miss out on so much good storytelling if you just don't give it a chance. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Fine. And this is a cool film to kind of get people into that. So I respect the shit out of that. Um, also, it's kind of a con, too. It's more of an entry-level film for me. And the unrated version just really doesn't change all that. And as a like a seasoned vet of horror, like I don't get much out of this. Yeah. Critiquing it, I understand the things that it does well and, and doesn't do so well. Um, there's a good discussion there. I've enjoyed tonight's discussion for sure. Uh, but I do think the relationship between Gemma and um, her niece, Katie, just doesn't feel all that genuine to me. It doesn't grow. There's not a sense of like a beginning to the end. Like in the beginning of the film, it just I don't know. They never rooted me in this relationship. I never felt involved. Mm-hmm. I never felt that Gemma was involved. I never you know what I mean? Like it just all moved along very quickly. It hit certain story beats and we should have slowed things down for certain character moments. I thought would have really like resonated with this film, I think this film could have resonated more with like a mom, a dad, like people that maybe aren't even into horror could have been driven to this film based on like those emotional scenes or, you know, those themes. Uh, but I think the film kind of drops the ball a little bit there in favor of just doing like quick horror. And I like I get it. But for me, those are moments. I'm not the biggest fan of Violet McGraw. I'll be honest, like in this film, I just don't think she I think uh, another actress could have delivered a little bit more. And I would have felt more gravitated towards um, Katie. The writing is fine mostly, but there are some major fuck ups like Katie's parents parking in the middle of the road waiting for a song to pass. It's just fucking dumb. It's fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, them getting killed by a snowplow could have been a really cool moment. Like we could have there. there is a way to do that moment and have it look awesome and impactful. But it just plays really cheesy the way the film achieves it. Like it feels cheap and tacked on. Yeah, it looks like a just TV un- it really does. And like, oh, wow, the shining lights just show up at the same exact time that he says, oh, when will one of those trucks show up? Like, I get it. But there's no like serious like that accident should have been horrific. I Like, show me them mm-hmm. bouncing around a little bit like you cut right there. It's all CG. It's all made on the cheap. And you can kind of tell like they don't even show outside the car. And all of a sudden the, the view just gets super foggy. Like I've been in bad storms. I get it. Like we're not all experienced in the storms. Maybe these people weren't. But. You're you're a grown ass fucking human being like you kind of know a little bit. I don't know. It just it didn't it didn't ring true for me. And it took me out from the very beginning. And and like 
I don't know. Hydroberg, I agree. I, I, I think with snowstorms like that, and especially if you're doing an uncut version, they could have shown more gore. Show the outside. Show the gore. Show an arm sticking out of the car when it's fucking crushed or something. Well, it, it felt like the PG-13. Like... Yeah, it felt like the PG-13 All right, well, version you could achieve that. With, you still yeah. could achieve that. It, it felt right. like... I don't know. Just not, they never really felt like they set up that scene for me for the crash. And they barely there's barely any exterior shots. All all of it seems CGI. It rings false. And so right from the jump, I just don't really feel connected to Katie. And like that's a problem. Like her parents' deaths, although tragic, they don't really connect with me because the scene is wonky. I mean, it's it's like it's pretty bad. And it just it like it lost she lost both her parents. I've lost both my parents, and like that scene just did not grab me, and it should have easily, easily. I should have felt, oh my god, I feel so bad for this young little girl. And I honestly, like, anytime a moment like this does happen in most entertainment, like I get teary eyed because it brings emotions of my own life to to you know to the forefront, which which a good movie can do. You know what I mean? Good writing does that, and like I, I never turn myself off from those feelings. I'm never like I avoid this because it reminds me of my parents, like. I, I am the kind of person who, who I enjoy those kind of things. I enjoy something that's melancholy that gets me emotional. Uh, emotions, you, you meant to experience them. You can't just avoid them. So like, but for me, this film just doesn't set that up. Like that was such a missed opportunity for me. I could have really been in Katie's like in her corner and I just wasn't. And then like, I guess her like her performance too just kind of took me out of it. So like, I don't know. Their deaths just felt like really gimmicky. Like her parents, like it played as a gimmick later on. Like, oh, Katie, why do you speak on why you like feel depressed because your parents died for this video for the Megan doll? Like it just I don't know. None of it rang true for me. And for that, it's a pretty big ding. With that said, I'm going to give Megan uh, Mithrigan. I'm sorry, Mithrigan unrated. Mithrigan unrated. I'm going to give it a uh, six out of ten. Um, Fuck. Fuck you, Holly. What is it? Fuck off, Holly. (laughs) Fuck off, Holly. Okay. <laughs> All right. A six from Hyderberg. Got it. How about you, Jacqueline? How do you feel about this movie? So, Hyderberg, you actually just talked me down a little bit. Whoa! <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. It doesn't often happen, but you talked me down. kind of dig that. Um, yeah. Because you make a lot of good points. And I think, I, I wish I had had time to watch this movie twice. Um, I wish I had time to watch time. all of our movies twice every, every week, but... Um, because I think it would give me a chance to think a little more deeply and have a little bit more time to like, um, you know, see it more objectively. So I, I think there are things that this movie does really well. I feel like I spent a lot of time kind of nitpicking certain things and complaining about the way certain things were constructed, but I have to say, I really did enjoy, I had a good time watching this movie. It's entertaining. Um, It's entertaining. I think the pacing is really good. I was never Mm -hmm. bored. Um, it's pretty slickly produced. It didn't have a gigantic budget, but it it looks good. I think the movie looks really good. I think they pull off Mandy really well. Uh, Megan, I'm sorry, Mandy. Megan, and that's what I matters. Yeah, I I agree. And Hydraberg, you make a really good point that like if the if Megan didn't look great, that could have really been like a downfall yeah. for this movie. But she actually mm-hmm. does look good, and so I think it's it's a strength of this movie when it could have easily been a weakness. So I think that's really important. Um, I really think Allison Williams does a, a good job for the most part as Gemma and she kind of carries this film as the protagonist. I think that she was a good choice. I love that this was our second 
film with her in it that we have reviewed. Um, I really like her. So I think that they're like overall there's good acting. Again, I I didn't love that child actress who played Katie. Um, not because I felt like she was one note as Heidelberg um complained, but because I felt like she did have a range of emotions, but they all came off as like acting to me. Like they didn't they didn't blend. They were like they didn't feel like the way an a child would authentically speak and that's tough to do like and that's why i think it's it's really hard to be a child actor because you don't have enough like life experience to have some of the subtleties and nuance of like the range of human emotions and it's like if you haven't specifically felt something before it's hard to act it like as a child you know you don't have as much emotional experience to draw on so I don't like blame child actors, but I just do think that it's really tough to find one who can be totally yeah. believable, you know? And so it just, it came off, her acting came off as stagey to me. Like when she was throwing the tantrum, that didn't feel real. When she was telling mm-hmm. the story about her mom, it didn't feel real. When she was like acting morose, when she first arrived at Gemma's house, that didn't feel real. It felt like the director told her like, okay, now put on a sad face. Okay. Now be really mad and scream at your aunt. Uh, I think it might have been a directing issue, not necessarily like could be maybe her prompts weren't well thought out. I don't know. Maybe I don't really you know, I don't know what it's like to direct a child. I don't know what it's like to be a child actor. So I don't know where that disconnect comes from. All I know is that I didn't enjoy it. However, I did enjoy the rest of the actors in the movie. I felt like they um, were believable. I, I don't feel like anybody's acting like took me out of it. So like good pacing, slick production, pretty good acting. So it makes it an easy movie to watch. You know what I mean? Um, and I think it's like pretty shiny and like kind of a glossy looking movie. I don't mean like literally, I just mean that it's like well produced. Mm-hmm. But I agree that under the surface, there's like, there's some problems with the engine under the hood, you know? Um, so I think there, I agree that there are a couple of writing issues, like certain things that just don't make sense or things that don't work narratively i completely agree with you guys about the opening um scene with the car accident and again like it wouldn't have been difficult to do it well you yeah know? it's just like what the fuck is the problem here like why was this done so poorly but I'm i agree surprised with- that it got like a green light yeah it's weird right so um so like i i feel like there is a little bit of substance lacking here in some ways like there's not you know much character growth um it's there are some lapses in logic um i do think that there are some good moments in terms of like uh character expression like when Gemma realizes that she's been like neglecting katie and kind of using megan as she's been like overly relying on megan Mm -hmm. and the i think that that's maybe the most important scene in the movie actually the therapist opens her eyes yeah yeah, the therapist points out, she talks about attachment theory and points out to Gemma what she's been doing. And for once, Gemma doesn't get like defensive and she listens. She's like, yep. oh, shit. So, like, the conversation with the therapist combined with the things that, she, whether she likes it or not, she is starting to see go wrong with Megan. And that she I puts think that was one of the part. best moments in the third act where she realizes. Yes. Where Gemma comes into play where she's like, all right, like all the little things that we think she should have noticed. Now yeah. she's aware of like, all right, I'm putting it all together now. Yeah, I agree. So I, I agree with you. That's one of the best moments in the third act. I think it's a really important moment in the film. And it's like where she finally comes to her senses a little bit. Because of mm-hmm. course, we, as viewers, we can see all the stuff she's doing wrong, right? And yeah. so, um, 
it's, you know, it's a little bit like armchair parenting. Like you can, you can look at somebody else and be like, like he oh, said she has a deadline. So like this project is part of her job. And we can understand that too. Like yeah. that's a tough, like you have competing responsibilities, right? So it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't make Gemma a bad person. It makes her relatable that like, you know, we all have different forces in our lives that conflict with each other and, you know, things that pull us in different directions. So that's, you know, that's relatable. We get it. That's, un that's understandable. And I think, you know, that is a tough conundrum. What do you do mm -hmm. when you have to take care of a child, but you also have like a super important work deadline? Like you, like, it's easy to say, oh, obviously the child should come first, but it's like, it's irresponsible to blow off a major work deadline like that. You can't your... take care of the child if you don't have a job, right? So you need to right. maintain that job. So, like, well, it's... also, like her character—that's that, that's her character arc—is that like she is so independent and she's yeah. that's what she knows. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's learning this, so you know, I agree with Jacqueline. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay, but I do feel like certain characters could have been richer. I think. I think. Katie and Gemma both could have been richer characters. I think we needed to know more about like Gemma's relationship with her sister. And I, I feel like, th listen, there are some people who just aren't good at expressing emotions. Mm -hmm. Like I have people like that in my life who like they have emotions. They just aren't comfortable expressing them. You know, that's. They kind of had a moment where like Katie talks about my mom did this. And then Gemma could have been like, oh. Did you know uh, your mom used to do that when she was your age or like whatever, like yeah. a moment where Gemma is reminded of her sister who's now passed through her niece, who now she's taken care of. And the weight of all that is on her. And we can see a moment in the in a scene where like the actress shows that and then shows care for her niece. Like, I'm here for you regardless of what happened. Like and that just yeah. a small moment like that would have just bridged the gap where I'm just like, all right, I'm invested in these characters. I just like it, this movie's missing that. We yeah, much and I, well, I think that's really weird. Like, I think it's really, really weird that in a story that is kicked off by a major yeah. tragedy, the the our protagonist. But even that tragedy is not taken seriously, like it's the not, way it's portrayed. And then the, our protagonist literally never references the tragedy. <laughs> like, she never talks. Seriously, about it. it's like never even brought up. There's never a moment <laughs> of like, what are we feeling right now? Like, your mom died. Like, your dad's it's, dead. It's treated as a plot device to make the child show up. Do you have any questions house. about your mom? Like, I knew her. I grew up with her. I could answer something. Like, anything. Anything would have helped me. It just, yeah, so it just feels careless to me. It's like it's almost oh. as if, like, they thought that addressing that emotion would slow down the movie or something, and they're just trying to get on with the plot. It's I don't really heavy. know. James Wan is better than that, so I don't know what happened there. But it's it's weird. I think it's really, really weird. And that's, to me, that's a major problem. And it's like, Gemma is like a little bit of a mess, but like not really, she's she's career driven and she's not really a nurturing type, but still, I feel like that character would still at some point acknowledge the sister. Or if she genuinely doesn't feel anything about it, then we should have some kind of context for like a falling out that they had or something that like, yeah. that's, why doesn't, that's why she's cold hearted about it. I don't know, but something, it's just, it's, it doesn't do anything with it. And I think it's really bizarre. Yeah. So there's like an emotional center that I think is lacking in the movie for a couple of different reasons. Like the car accident is not taken seriously. Gemma never acknowledges the tragedy. There doesn't seem to be any link between the dead parent. Like they never even talk about the dad. Like the poor no. dad. <laughs> like that's two, the two central human beings in your life that are gone. It's like nobody talks about one of them. So, 
And then, like, the only thing we ever hear about the mom is the cockroach story, which, by the way, I think that's a weird yeah. story to tell, too. Um, like, that's that's not, like, a happy memory of your mom. Like, a happy memory is something that you shared together, or, like, something funny that happened to both of you. But, like, I don't know. Something about that being the memory that Katie chose to share with Megan felt oddly, like, a little bit mean-spirited. Like, haha, my mom got a cockroach running on her arm because I didn't eat my sandwiches and I left them all gross. And I don't know, there's something about that that I felt like maybe she was being like um, negatively influenced by Megan at that point. I thought it was like a really weird story to tell. So I don't know. I didn't like it. But I think one thing that really is good here, despite some of these complaints that I have, I really like the themes that it's exploring. It's not a particularly complex movie. It's not like a a super thinker you know what i mean yeah. um you know it's it's easy to understand it's, it's interesting it is interesting and so it made me think about some of these issues about like a raising children in the age of technology and b our collective unease with artificial intelligence and those are things that are very um like in what's the, what's the phrase i need i don't know they're very topical right now so yeah there's going to be a crossroads pretty soon where there's going to be a moment where an ai can raise a child or you're going to be given the choice whether you want to let an AI raise your child. Right. Or there's the next gonna, 30 years, like, I feel like that's going to be a thing that our culture has to deal with. Ooh, yeah. And so there's like, or there's going to have to be legislation to like control mm-hmm. it. But like, we don't know that. We don't know yet what's going to happen. Yeah. So the fact that it brings up these questions, which we've, you know, we've referred to again and again, these are not new issues, but the situation is, is new, you know? And so that's, I think, what makes it kind of a timeless thing. Well, in 10 years, John, you're absolutely right. Like this technology is going to seem passe. Mm-hmm. Um, but for right now, it captures the moment. The question. But it might the- speak on, you know, a, a, a future time that we're going through at that time. So people will look back on Megan and be like, wow, this movie was actually. Pretty, yeah, we pretty knew it was going to happen. Well, yeah, yeah we- it'll just make the Rotten Tomatoes score go up. I and mean, they were like, all. John from a cut above <laughs> knew ahead of time. He was like, one of the building blocks of the new society. Yeah, he's going to be quoted and cited yeah. in a, an academic study. But anyway, so I, I do think that it does a good job of like bringing up timely topics and things that are on people's minds nowadays, which, as I said before, I think is something that um, horror can do really well and some of the best horror does it. So um, I was originally going to give this an eight out of 10. Oh. Uh, but I, you know, throughout the course of our conversation, I did become sort of more aware of some of these flaws and they started to kind of overshadow some of the positive things a little bit more. So I'm going to drop it down to a seven out of 10 fuck off hollies. Okay. Yep. We got two so, sevens and a six. I, I, I can dig it. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah. Good. Heidelberg, I thought you were going to come in at a five, but I mean, you give it no, a six. I, I had a 6.5 originally, but I, then I okay. started talking myself down because I was just okay. like, I don't think you like this film as much of a six. I do think this film, like Jacqueline says it, I think it does a lot of things well. It's, yeah. it's a tricky. It's a tricky. I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky thing to judge this film. Yeah. Because it does some things that I, I get. And it it, it 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 panders towards a market that I understand, too. Like we're pandering towards younger kids that are growing up with technology. But there's moments in the movie where it's speaking on those things in a intelligent way where we're like, well, we're kind of dissecting this society we have right now where like we are placing kids down in front of, you know, learning computers and stuff like that. And androids like we're at that moment where like chat AI and all that stuff like we're getting there. So 
It's Let me ask Jacqueline a question poignant. real quick. Jacqueline, mm-hmm. is, is there such thing as screen time? Oh, yeah. That sounds that it sounds like be, a I real think. thing. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. That's like every parent uses that phrase in, in some capacity. Yep. I think that's a good okay. way of disciplining that's kids fair. without like using. It's a way of using the technology as a reward slash um, disciplinary it's, it's thing. Perfect. It's like because you don't want your kids so hung up on using their tablet all the time. Like there's ways to consume things like we can watch other things we can watch movies on the tv we don't need to use a tablet the tablet speaks to you it interacts that interaction a lot of times with a kid is kind of what builds their personality too like they're alone just thing all the time it's weird like all three of us as kids all all three of us as kids we'd be riding down a hill we'd fall off a bike scrape up our knee go get a band-aid cry maybe five yeah i mean honestly i didn't have any of this when i was a kid i'd these are, th- these are things that we thought about as kids. So like, oh, in the future, like, and now we're, <laughs> we're getting in this realm and the things that we thought would be really cool. There's a lot of issues with them that you need to well, think back about. back in the day, like, we used to think about flying cars. Well, on the Jetsons, didn't they have a robot dog? Wasn't they the did. Dog? They had a robot right. maid. Robot. The maid yeah. basically got oh, the kids right. up and got them ready oh, for school. The, and It wasn't the dog? Okay, I don't know why I thought that. Yeah, yeah no, it was the maid. Yeah, you're right. Um, we're running a little long. You guys want to hear just a smidge of trivia? Please. All right. Um, okay. So here's, here's a little bit about the like technical aspects of the film. So Amy Donald performed any of Megan's scenes that called for physical movement that the puppet could not do. She also performed all of her own stunt work. Amy Donald received movement coaching from Jed Brophy and -and so-and-so, so-and-so in portraying her agility. So on set, she wore a static silicone mask created by the effects team and this was later replaced by a cgi version of megan's face to match that of the animatronic um so there was so there was as i mentioned there was an animatronic puppet for close-ups of her face and dialogue. So amy was the uh, amy was the child right correct the physical oh okay 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 got it like the body the okay. body so you're saying static like there was literally like a static version of a mask on her like it looked like static it didn't move and like, then they they okay. Oh, static in that sense. I got you. I got it. Um, And then there was also a second animatronic used for certain scenes, as well as a posable stunt version that wasn't puppeteered. So like when she's just sitting on the table or she's sitting in the windowsill. I mean, they did a pretty good job. They obviously focused on Megan for performances and it does pay off. Well, I I think that was, yeah. Um, Those fucking dead eyes. Holy shit. The animatronic Megan was puppeteered via a variety of techniques, which included radio-controlled facial expressions performed by the effects team in tandem, um, automated lip sync for the dialogue, and a puppeteer physically moving Megan's head and body at times. So that's. How did you guys like when they show her skull like underneath the titanium? It's pretty creepy. Cool. Loved it. Yeah, and Very- then like when Gemma takes like parts of it out because she knows how to get to like the exposed core. And like she's just interacting with her exposed core, and you just see like her bottom lip, like her bottom teeth still there, <laughs> her jaw, mm-hmm. but the rest are removed. It's it's creepy looking. Yep. Uh, at the time of the release, this was one of the first films within the past forty five years to be re- to be released theatrically on the first Friday in January and obtain a certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I had no idea that was even a thing. Yep. So Jan- January releases um, generally don't the do first great. Friday release in January doesn't do well. Doesn't do well, but this one uh, certified certified fresh. To I feel death. like we're starting to break those conventions as film viewers. Like yeah. we're seeing more so. and more films that do well at other times of the year because we just mm-hmm. want to watch good films. 
-hmm. You know what I mean? And if it doesn't have a Christmas like blend, it doesn't need to be shown in December. We can watch that in March and still go to the theater. Some of the biggest Marvel films show up in March, May, and then June. So mm. it's not all about summer anymore. Yeah. Yeah. A um, couple interesting facts about the budget. Um, this movie had a budget of $12 million. Wow. Whoa, really? That's interesting. 12, that seems pretty only, low. It I is was like low. 20 something. But you know how much it pulled in at the box office? 100. 100 million. 180.7 million dollars. Wow. So that was a good That's why we got a Megan 2 so quick. 2.0. So here it is. Megan 2 Mithrigan 2.0 is scheduled to Mithrigan. be Mithrigan is scheduled to be released on January 17th, 2025. Holy shit. Uh, Alice Allison yeah. will still uh, reprise her role and so-and-so Cooper will return to write the script. So I don't know if that was so that, a co-writer. I feel like that means that Megan's coming back for for revenge. Yeah. Agreed. Well, the I like that oh. Allison Williams is going to be back in it, which uh, yeah. up until this moment, like a couple moments ago, like minutes ago, while we were talking about her, I didn't fucking realize that was Rose from what? Get Out. How did you not recognize I don't her? know. I just, like, she wasn't the same role. She's a good what? actress. Yeah. <laughs> She looked familiar, but she almost looked like Dexter's sister. Heidelberg. Who plays Dexter's she, sister. She's what like we call a character actor. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's fine. Uh, she's also a white lady, John, who just like, uh, there's a lot of white actresses. Oh, um, but I'm watching her and I'm like, yeah, I, I dig her acting and I'm like, she looks familiar. I couldn't Jacqueline, not to cut you off, but I want to give you guys one guess of what the audience score was for this movie. Jacqueline first. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. I'm going to guess 82%. We'll go All right, 74. God, I don't know who's right on this. Uh, 78% audience score. Oh, dead split. Oh, we're dead split. Yeah, yeah 93% wow. from the from the uh, critics. 93% wow. certified fresh. Critics. Wow. Yeah. I can see critics shitting on this. Well, well, audience loved it too, so there you go. Sorry. I go ahead. Close, continue. We're close around that, there. You guys got was... two sevens and I got a six. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was it for the trivia that I had. That was the last thing I wanted to talk about the sequel and the budget. But uh, yeah, this was a great. I'm looking discussion. forward to the sequel. Me too. Me yeah. too. Oh, John's Me doing three. <laughs> I hope it's a little bit more raw, though. I'll be honest. Like, I do want it to be just I want it to be like I want it to be Megan Mithrigan two electric. Mithri like, oh, I yes. I just want yes. it. Like, give it to me. You know what I mean? Give me all the things that the electric boogaloo brings. I know. More dancing, please. Yeah. Like a electric boogaloo. Come on. Yeah, fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Electric. Let's Yeah. All right, fellas. Well, that does it for Megan. Mithrigan. Um, <laughs> and next week, we're going to shift gears. It's going to be a little different. Um, It's my pick. And we're going to yes. be we're going to be talking about the movie Bug. Wait, Ashley Judd? With Ashley Judd. And Michael, Michael Shannon. And Michael Shannon, exactly. And we're going to have a very, very special guest returning. Who is it? For a surprise. For what? Come on. I hate surprises. But just know this is a very special guest that I think I will. everyone will be happy to see. Does that guest have any ties into tonight's episode, possibly? Maybe. There might be some threads there. What? I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. Between the guests next week and tonight's episode. There are. You guys haven't thought of them. 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm lost. Okay. Anyway, so uh, that is streaming for free on Pluto TV. You can also rent it on Amazon Prime or various other, you know, VODs. But the only place that, of, that it's that it's free is Pluto. So if you have Pluto, oh, uh, yeah, but this was great. I love chatting with Megan, uh, chatting with you guys about Megan. Mithrigan. Mithrigan, I'm sorry. And we'll be talking about something completely different next week. In the meantime, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can also catch us at Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Hey, do you guys want to get on threads? No, I don't. I just okay. Fuck it. All right. Find us on Facebook. <laughs> cut above colon horror review. Make sure you give those five star ratings on iTunes and Spotify. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Just like an AI like this movie is, we'll keep an eye on threads and we'll see if it's worth our time. Uh, <laughs> at, at this moment right now, I just don't want to jump on two threads. Uh, it's just another thing I have to... It's it's connected to the Instagram and then you can't erase it. You can't delete it without <laughs> deleting your Instagram somehow. Like, that's just weird. Oh, uh, more work for Hydra. Yeah. All right. So anyway, <laughs> see you guys next week when we'll be talking about Bug, directed by William Friedkin. See you later. And keep it creepy.